A new survey found the 10 most common things we do to make ourselves feel healthy when we're abusing our body for a while. Eat some extra fruit and vegetables. Uh, Try to eat less sugar. Sugar's a bad one. Buy more fruits and vegetables, even though you may not necessarily eat them. I always end up throwing up out a little bit at the end of the week. Yeah. Because you can't eat that much fruit. Take the stairs. I always go, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start eating kiwi. And then a week later, I'm like, I'm never eating kiwi. Not eating that hairy thing. (laughs) Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's three minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Through 11. It's 67 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Xfinity from Comcast. I'm Val Porter. It's been a year since 58 people were killed and hundreds more injured when a gunman opened fire at Country Music Festival in Las Vegas. A number of events and remembrance ceremonies were held throughout the day yesterday. Just after 10 p.m. local time, the Vegas Strip went mostly dark to honor the lives lost when Steve and Paddock fired off more than a thousand rounds from his room at the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Nevada Governor Brian Sandoval says the massacre will never be forgotten, but the courage and conviction of those lost will always bring the community together. The candidates in the Pennsylvania governor's race are back on the campaign trail after their first and only debate. Governor Tom Wolf and challenger Scott Wagner threw several jabs at each other last night during a forum in Hershey while telling the audience they can best handle public education pension debts and other issues that debate for whatever reason was moderated by jeopardy host alex trebek (laughs) why not sure why we got a canadian to (laughs) moderate a pennsylvania gubernatorial debate but i mean he's a pretty good host yeah for any of absolutely sure Today is World No Alcohol Day. The World Health Organization sets aside October 2nd each year to call attention to problems caused by alcohol abuse and ways to reduce those problems. The organization says there are two and a half million alcohol-related deaths every year. More than 300,000 of those are people between the ages of 15 and 29. The organization says alcohol is the world's third leading cause of poor health. And I don't know if it's because it's back to school time, but we've been talking a lot about parenting types lately. Uh, I'm not sure what type of parent this is. A-hole, maybe. I don't know. There's a woman in St. Louis whose son is a junior in high school. She just filed a federal lawsuit because her son didn't make the varsity soccer team. (laughs) At his school, the JV team is all freshmen and sophomores. He played on the JV team for his first two years, but when he didn't make the varsity team this year, he wasn't allowed back on the JV team because he had aged out. It's for underclassmen. Right. Well, his mom thinks that's unfair, so she is suing the school for age discrimination. She's also (laughs) suing for sex discrimination because the girls' JV team doesn't have that same freshman-sophomore policy. Right. A judge heard arguments on the lawsuit last week, and the varsity coach explained why the kid didn't make the team. He stinks. Right. Wasn't good enough. Here's my verdict. Your kid's going to get tortured for the rest of the time he's in high school. Yeah. We're Uh, in recess. Yeah. That's really the punishment. This kid will never live it down. Right. What's worse? What's going to happen? Clark's mom's going to sue. Oh, yeah. That kid's balls busted constantly over this. There's no doubt. Not to mention the mom is not exactly going to, you know, gain they a lot. They're real of, popular. Yeah. It's, no other parents are going to want to hang out with her. I'm they, not they might excited. not already. I, I'm not excited for that aspect of, like, 
you know, my girls have done stuff, but it it hasn't been competitive yet. Mm-hmm. Like competitive cheer or competitive softball or whatever sport they want to play. And I I'm a big fan of the rec leagues. I'm a, <laughs> right, just for fun. You know, you guys want to go shoot the ball around? All right, I'll drop you off. No pressure. Pick you up. That's the way to do it. No travel team. The travel team stuff. That's insane. It started right at the end of my youthful athletic. Oh, endeavors. really? That that long ago? I felt it wasn't nearly like that what it is now. But there were a couple of travel teams, and it was like this big deal if you if you got on the travel team for sure. You know, it, it, the genesis of it had had you know just occurred, but it was still nothing like what it is now. My friends drive their kids to sport. My sister drives her girls to volleyball every weekend. Yeah, that's all not over like, the state of Illinois, all over the East Coast. Yeah, it's not you know it's Pittsburgh to Erie; it's states away. Yeah, it's crazy. And the mo- I can't imagine the money spent. The money and the time every single weekend. Yeah. There's a tournament. You know what? Every single one of them says to me when I question them, whether it's sibling or friend, about like why would you, why don't you tell your kid? I'd no. rather have them doing this than anything else. Exactly. Crazy. At least I know where they are. Uh, you know, they I, mean, don't I can trouble. see if your kid shows promise to maybe be a professional. Right. But how many of those kids are going to be pros? I mean, my oldest niece got a, got an athletic scholarship. Awesome. Um, my two youngest nieces are being, are being looked at by colleges. But I, one of them is like, I don't even really think I want to do it. And I, I told my sister, I'm like, well, tell her. Then she's all done. <laughs> she doesn't think she wants to do it. She doesn't want to do it. Right. Because it's not going to get easier in college. And then she's going to drop out of the athletics in Lose whatever college she gets a scholarship to. And then she'll be at a college she doesn't want to be at. That's what happened to me, kind of. Mm. Well, well, see, you can speak from experience. Yeah. As a parent, I'm like, look, I know you're not going to be passionate about this. You're not going to play in the pros. But... It will give me a break a little bit with paying for your college. So you're going to play for just one or two right. more years. I mean, I understand that, too. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. The financial mm-hmm. windfall that that would create. Kyrie Irving says he's sorry for promoting his belief the earth is flat. <laughs> sorry for being an idiot, guys. He spoke. Well, he didn't. he didn't come out and say he doesn't believe the earth is flat. He said he's sorry for promoting that. He spoke at a Forbes Under 30 Summit in Boston on Monday. Celtics point guard said he didn't realize the effect speaking publicly would have on people. He said he was really big into conspiracy theories at the time. He started talking about flat earth theories months ago. His belief was sparked by several videos that he watched online. But as I said, he still hasn't said he believes the earth is round just that well, there are some the things that should round, be saved for intimate conversations. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he'd be like, if the earth was round, then how could Bush do 9-11? It just couldn't happen. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to stop sharing my personal beliefs and thoughts. Dave Grohl is auctioning off a bunch of autograph gear to help programs for young musicians. The auction will launch on October 9th at Reverb.com and will feature gear donated by DW Drums, Fender, Gibson, Gretsch, Ludwig, Made by Maple, and Zildjian. All of it signed by Grohl. The auction is part of Grohl's play project tied into his 23-minute instrumental of the same name. And if you're a big Journey fan, well, Journey keyboardist Jonathan Kane's going to be at the Rock 
Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He'll be there October 10th at 7 p.m. for a question and answer session. The interview will also include a special acoustic performance. Acoustic keyboards? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. will, will he be doing air keyboards like in separate ways? Uh, the event will be live streamed <laughs> on the Rock Hall's Facebook page. Fans can submit questions during the event directly through the page. Journey was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year. Showers and thunderstorms today. Some could be severe upper 70s for the high today. It is 62 at DVE. I mean, the whole uh, flat earther thing reminds me, of course, when Jesse Ventura gave us a call to talk about it. The internet has been ripe for conspiracy theories these days. And one that's been getting a lot of traction, again, for some reason. And it seems to be popular with a lot of athletes. The flat earth theory. (laughs) Now, this is the theory, of course. The earth is not, in fact, round, but it is actually flat. And I guess I read up on this yesterday, and their thinking is it is uh, the Arctic Circle is actually like the center. And then the earth goes out like a big pizza pie, and it is bordered by ice walls. I don't know. To keep us from falling off. Kyrie Irving, Draymond Green, Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal? No, not Shaq. Have floated the flat earth conspiracy theory this year. And so we thought it would be a good idea to bring in a conspiracy expert on the show. Uh, our friend, Jesse Ventura. This is Jesse Ventura. Hi, Jesse. off the grid with Jesse. Yeah. Former governor of the great state of Minnesota and two-time WWF heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Author of several books yep. and star of the one-man play yes. entitled... Ventura my way. Yeah, we which was a critical <laughs> darling, I might add. Yeah, I was 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 Ventura my way was that on uh, Broadway? No. No, I didn't conform to big theater. Thank you very much. I went no. where the real theater is happening. Where's that? In a vacant parking lot of an abandoned farmore in Tucumcari, New Mexico. <laughs> to rave reviews from the Albuquerque VFW newsletter, I might add. All right, well, Jesse, we wanted to ask you about the resurgence in flat-earth conspiracy theories as of late. It's preposterous. Uh, thank you. It's absolutely absurd to think the Earth is flat. Complete nonsense. The Earth is not. I repeat, the Earth is not flat. Exactly. It's a rhombus. No, it's not. Yes, the Earth is a rhombus. That's just a fact. Jesse, the Earth is round. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's just what the lamestream media wants you to believe. Ask anybody who studied the findings of Ferdinand Magellan's journal entry. Oh, and you've read them? Oh, yeah, several times. Several <laughs> well, times. No, I don't know. At about the halfway point in his journey, he writes about a meeting at sea with his astronomers and geographers where he told them, Hey, guys, I'm thinking rhombus. That's not true. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Scroll through it yourself. Three quarters through the journey, he writes, and I quote, Measuring the angle of the moon in the sky. Mathematics point me towards sphere. But Ferdy don't play that. Still lean in rhombus. He didn't say Ferdy don't play that. Or st- still lean in rhombus. Leaning rhombus was, of course, rhombus humor because a rhombus <laughs> leans or tilts, which is what the earth does on its axis. It tilts because it's a rhombus. A rhombus doesn't have to lean or t- A square can be a rhombus. I think you're a rhombus. I think you're a flaming rhombus. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Sorry, my feather boa is getting cut by my dad. Why, why, though? Why would anyone go to such great lengths to perpetuate the, uh, a round-earth hoax? 
Because Big Globe is making sure it happens. That's big, why. Big Globe? <laughs> As in the companies that make and sell? Globes, yeah. <laughs> they know that no one will buy a spinning rhombus with jagged edges. They can poke out eyes, which the ensuing lawsuits would cripple our education system. What? Little Timmy in fourth grade suffered retina damage. There goes the gymnasium funding what? and the big sale money. So they make the globes round and smooth so kids can better understand them and then uh yeah starting to sound pretty crazy as you're saying out loud doesn't it yeah i gotta admit this played a lot better when i workshopped it Mm -hmm. you know i think i might be suffering side effects of the chemtrails in the sky everyone knows the government is viewing chemical mind altering drugs from the backs of those jets and i think i need a nap now okay yeah Yeah, that's a good idea yeah it's starting to feel more like a collapse than a nap so i'm just gonna (laughs) just want to button okay all right thanks jesse oh hey before i go the 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 pyramids are (laughs) no no aliens use them as gps all right all right always good to hear from jesse ventura big globe big globe Yes, Revolution, the Beatles, the DVE morning show. Okay, the big news. Le'Veon Bell says he's coming back to the Steelers. Now, he's not going to come when? back. Week seven. Okay, good. He's coming back. After the bye, or during the bye. He's coming, yeah. Before the bye. Before the bye. That's according to Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy will be on the show this morning, 8.15. We have an absolutely jam-packed show for you today. Gene Steratour, Zebra Talk with Gene Steratour, 7.45 today. Who is the best? Yeah, he's great. Western Pennsylvania uh, legend, Gene Steratour. His brethren, not so much. No, but we're going to talk with him about some of the more controversial calls of this past weekend, uh, including the Steelers got totally jobbed. On a couple of plays. Yeah, they did. James Conner, that wasn't a crackback. Oh, that was BS. Yeah, Cam Hayward will be on the show at 845. Uh, the aforementioned uh, Jeremy Fowler, 815 this morning. He spoke with Le'Veon Bell. Probably the most coveted uh, interview in the NFL these days. DJ Gallo, the very funny DJ Gallo, mm-hmm. Gallo from U- Yahoo Sports. Uh, he, of course, is also Sports Pickle. He is uh, one of the funniest oh, guys he's so funny on, on Twitter, Twitter, man. Uh, also, Rick Seaback, we're gonna have on the show. Everybody's been sending him food. We uh, we are sending a huge box of Lipitor over to Rick today <laughs> because in his convalescence from uh, injury to his quadricep muscle, he has been sitting in the hospital. And every food uh, uh, imaginable, every restaurant in town has stopped by to bring him food. He's had to have gained ten pounds since he's been in the hospital. At least he could not. Everything. He's eating is like gourmet this, that, and the other thing. I feel like there's gourmet food from every restaurant in Pittsburgh within drone distance of Seaback at all times. That's, like just haloing above him. Yeah. Well, that's plausible, to put it mildly. All right, so packed, packed schedule for you today. Mike Pursuta with your sports coming up here. Coach Tomlin will be talking with the media a little bit later on this morning. Well early this afternoon and uh want to remind you Steelers huddle back on DVE tonight Jerry Dulac Dale Lawley and Steelers defense event Stephon Tuitt you know what man Stephon Tuitt like to hear his name being called a little bit more out there yeah <sighs> yeah he's not getting the pressure that we need him to get call him up tonight and tell him that 
Uh, he's on Steelers Huddle from six to or seven to eight rather. Don't on, tell him I said anything. On though. DVE Steelers and Falcons this Sunday. No Lev Bell yet, but if the Steelers can eke out a win here and get to two two and one, now we're eking wins. Yeah, we're eking wins. Forget stacking. Let's just eke one. This guy went like three fifty back to back weeks, Matty Ryan, without a win. I know that's crazy. So. They're here on Sunday, a 1 o'clock matchup. And if this weather holds up through the week, Val, boy, oh, boy, you don't get many uh, games in this type of weather. In yeah, the- going to be summer-like. I'd start Matt Ryan if I had him on my fantasy team. My extended forecast on the iPhone here, Val, Sunday, 83 degrees, mostly sunny. And nine Beautiful. touchdowns. That's only Tuesday. That can change 10 times. But I'm just saying. A one o'clock matchup. This needs to be a big time Steeler Nation showdown. It really does. I mean, have to take advantage of this home field. You'll be able to hear the game, of course, starting at nine a.m. All of the pregame leading up to kickoff at one o'clock here on your home of the Steelers, one hundred two point five DVE. Mike's coming in next. Lev has spoken. Hear what he had to say when we return. DVE. DVE. Mike, proceeded with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show, and Lev says he's coming back. More drama. Sports this hour brought to you by CBS Television. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports that Le'Veon Bell thinks he's in prime physical condition and he could play tomorrow, unquote, if needed. That, uh, according to a phone interview that uh, Jeremy Fowler had with Bell yesterday, uh, ESPN and Bell reporting that, uh, excuse me, and Fowler reporting that Bell is expected to report back to the Steelers uh, in Week Seven or Eight. They're on a bye in Week Seven, and they've got the Cleveland Browns on October the twenty eighth here in Pittsburgh. Said Le'Veon Bell, "quote It sucks having to set off football. I want to play. I want to win games and the playoffs." Is this just a PR stunt because he knows he's been taking a beating in the media? No idea. I, we'll we'll see. But uh, he did not say I'm going to sit the year out, and I don't want to play for the Steelers anymore. So that's reassuring. There's that. Uh, all kind of possibilities uh, to this story as it continues to unfold. Le'Veon Bell said he still thinks that he can resign a long term deal with the Steelers. <laughs> um, that is pretty funny. Here, and here's an interesting caveat to this. The Steelers, uh, according to the story in, on ESPN.com, the Steelers told Bell during franchise tag negotiations they would transition tag him in 2019, which would be a whole lot cheaper than a third franchise tag. Now, that would give other teams the right to negotiate with Bell, and then the Steelers would have to match or not. But that number would be way down based on the games that he's already missed and is going to continue to miss. So it would only be based on the, uh, the prorated portion. Eleven of it, games he would play, if, if that's the number. So stay tuned. But uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, says, "quote I could be naive or hopeful, but at the end of the day, I feel like that's what's going to happen." He's talking about uh, getting the long. Not even deal. hopeful were the two strippers he was hanging out with at the time. <laughs> I don't think they really want me gone. That could be me being prideful, but I'm still holding out hope. And he said he understands the hard feelings from his teammates. Quote, they probably think I backdoored them, but he thinks everybody can get over that. And that much, I think, is... That's true. That's going to be a fairly small hurdle to get over. Yeah. He kind of devil's triangled them. The locker room is never poisoned if you can help them win. 
agreed. And they put up with a whole lot if it means a yeah. W. And Particularly it, the leadership guys on the team. If they think this guy can help them win, and he can. And there's no question he can. Then you get over the, the hurt feelings. And Mike, they are bailing water out of this boat in a big way right now. And this is a guy who can uh, help stop the leaking. He's no a question. superstar, regardless of what you think about how he's conducted himself. And I think he's not done himself any justice through this process. He is a once-in-a-generation type of talent. I, he, he is if he's fully committed to playing. Now, he says he would be fully committed. I don't know how the Steelers are going to be able to determine that, but that is something you would have to keep an eye on. If you're sitting out X number of games because you don't want to get hurt, are you going to be too sore to go in practice? Are you going to be too tired to play a certain series? Are you going to go out of bounds instead of putting your head down and, and getting the, the first down? Believe him at your own peril, yeah. too, because, I mean, it's not like things you've said so far have been trustworthy, and it, it's almost impossible. It's not a video game. You don't just get this player back, and then he's at the top of his game. Yeah. He's. I think one of the things he said to Fowler in that piece uh, pertain to the timing issues with Ben and the offense and that stuff you can't practice down in Florida. You're seeing that play out now with Antonio Brown and Ben. They, neither one of those guys played very much in the preseason. They're working that out now and they're still nowhere near where they need to be. I think that may have scared Lev Bell a little bit or at least opened his eyes because for him to even make mention of that like hey it's going to take some time and maybe that's why he's talking about coming back a full, what, three weeks before he would have to? So after the the bye week... Yeah, the have-to thing, have thing's a little unclear, too, because I, I know I've been talking about, and a lot of people have, he has to play six games to get the accrued year. I was always under the assumption that if he didn't, he would be back to second transit, second franchise tag status. He would not. It would be the third either way. But so he, he could sit the year out. And then they would have, if they wanted to franchise him again, it would be at the huge quarterback money number. If because of the games that he missed, if he misses five games and sits out on $4 million in salary, and now all of a sudden the Steelers are responsible for paying him 9.5 or 10 or whatever it ends up being, next year, the franchise tag, if they franchise, they don't transition. If they franchise tag... Uh, Fowler said something about them being able to base that on accrued salary so they wouldn't have to pay the third franchise tag based on the full salary of 2018. It would be whatever was accrued. So they wouldn't have to pay $25 million next year if they franchise him again. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, to be honest with you. That's in the I, weeds of the financial there's some arrangements. Pretty technical, complicated CBA stuff there. But it, he doesn't have to come in and play six games. He could sit the whole year out, or he could come in and play more than six right. games. But just thinking about it logically, he's probably been sitting there down in Miami, you know, eating toaster strudels, thinking, <laughs> well, when is it good for me to come back? Like, I'm taking a hit here in the media. I'm getting crushed online. And here it is, a bye week. So it's sort of like a beginning of a new season after that. It would make sense for him to come in and get that extra little time it's certainly to practice. a good point. It's when teams often change starters, change quarterbacks, change you know, give you, give yourself an extra week to work the new guy in. And That's get him why up to speed. I believe yeah. him, you know. It it makes sense from that standpoint. But he every time he touches the ball, if he's not an all pro, there are gonna be questions. 
No doubt. Is he really trying? Does he really care? Because if you didn't show up for day... I get what he did last year. If you didn't show up for day one, what are you really in this for? I don't get the whole the thought process now. Uh, there was some discussion with Earl Thomas. He got hurt. Oh, see, Le'Veon Bell was right to sit out. Earl Thomas is under contract. He has two more years. Just because you won an extension and you don't get it doesn't mean it, it's not guaranteed to you. You don't have that coming. You're either a football player or you're not. Do your job. Show up. Play. If you're good enough and you survive, hey, guess what? The NFL is a violent, dangerous game. It's risky. Next week is guaranteed to no one, let, let alone next year or the year after. You don't just get to decide when you deserve a boatload of guaranteed money and then sit out if you don't get it like a little kid. Unless you're really special. Well, Earl Thomas felt that he was. I mean, he yeah. was about to get traded and get that money. Well, was he? Yeah, Kansas City, they had yeah. it lined up. So, well, I mean, he, he hadn't been traded. I'm glad. No, that and that's happen. well, that's yeah. why he's so. Pissed. Well, I mean, he's he is completely in the wrong and was, and Le'Veon Bell's in the wrong here. It might work out for him, but you think Le'Veon Bell's in the wrong because because he's leaving the team out to dry in the season. He's not. Started. He's not under contract. No, he's not. Do you want to be on the team? Be on the effing team when the season starts. Right, he's playing for but his, there's a huge difference as you just him, pointed out between yeah. Lev and Earl Thomas. But they're both playing for themselves. He's been offered a job. He didn't take it. They're both playing for themselves. That's the thing that bothered me, Mike, is that he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's saying he wants to be a Steeler for life, and then he's saying he wants that that game-changer money that nobody's gotten at at that position. I'm all for these guys getting every dime they can because their careers are short, and Mm -hmm. it is a dangerous game, and it's risky. But there's a time to negotiate, and there's a time to play, and there's a time when certain things are in place, and that's that. And you got to... As Cam Hayward said before the Ravens game, show up or shut up. I don't disagree with you. I don't like... Now, Hayward wasn't speaking about Le'Veon Bell. He was talking about performance, but you get my yes, analogy. Right. I think you can apply yeah. that to Earl Thomas to that decided situation. he wanted an, ex- wanted an extension. The Steelers didn't... The Seahawks didn't want to extend them. They had them under contract. Show up, practice, play, shut up. You signed the thing whenever you signed it. Nobody put a gun to your head. The other thing, and this is a minute thing, but th- I always think that these players are so short-sighted where they're looking at only the contract during their playing years and not the legacy years in a town like this. Like, if you play for this team and this team only, you can put out a, you know, a crappy restaurant, we'll go out in droves. You can put out a, a poorly written book, we'll buy it. You can be in a movie and not act well in it. We'll get it. I used to have that same viewpoint, but the reality of that is the money differential. Yeah, the guaranteed millions up front would probably you don't care about your burger you joint. To open like Rod that's just a pain in your ass. Yeah. <laughs> but how many of these guys go broke right after they leave the league? Uh, I just saw the Steelers yeah. promoting um, Franco Harris's new pizza place. Well, like Franco for- didn't play in an era where they paid anybody, right? But I'm just saying, Santonio Holmes is at everything now. Yeah, but he's an idiot and, and washed himself out of the league. Like, we're talking about... How do we know that's not going to happen with El Bell? He's been suspended twice yeah. for weed. But if he gets his $60 million up front, he, yeah. like he thinks he is, then he can get suspended for two lifetimes and he's still got his $60 million. That deal was worth, according to him, a $70 million deal that the Steelers offered him with only $17 million guaranteed. Yeah, that, that is according to them. According to Lev Bell's camp. Yeah. He called it Monopoly money. 
It's true. Like, it is not real. Well, it's not real if yeah. it ain't guaranteed. I actually, I would love to see him hit the open market at some point just to see if he's worth what he thinks he is. Yeah, I, now I got to know. I know he's a great player, but he's got the suspension history. He's got a little knee history. Yeah, uh, I think he's overrating himself in terms of uh, not what he can earn, but what he is going to be given up front. Crazy news there. Lots more to get to in sports. We can bleed over if you want here, Mike. Yeah, I, I got to take a commercial more. break. We'll come back. We didn't, Sid is calling out Tom Wilson, which is yeah, good for Sid. Uh, also, we will talk to Jeremy Fowler from ESPN at 8.15 today. Zebra Talk with Gene Steratore coming up 7.45. And Cam Hayward, 8.45. Fowler's got news top of this hour. We'll talk about the top 10 things we sugarcoat for people. Minio's Pizza House. In Squirrel Hill, $3 Bud Light bottles every Steelers nice. Sunday. Minios in Squirrel Hill. That's your Bud Light game day bar of the week. It's the DVE Morning Show. Mike Persuda, we uh, talked so much about the Lev Bell situation. It is huge news, Mike, but uh, believe it at your own peril because it's Lev Bell. He has lied in the past. I don't believe him when he says he's in tip-top shape. I don't even know if he's lied so much as he might just believe it. change opinions on... The drop of a dime. He yeah. might he might change directions mentally the way he does on the field. He just waits, waits. Oh, and that's boom, funny. I'm yeah. going to go over here now. Nope, I'm going to go over here. Wind. Yeah. Like he'd be uh, impossible to go shopping He might really Eagle believe with. this stuff today, <laughs> and he might really believe something else by this afternoon. Uh, you know what? Uh, now that you say it like that, I think, you're, I think you nailed it. Because who knows? He might be going wherever the wind blows. What, there was some NFL action last night, right? There was. Uh, the future of rock and roll in the Kansas City Chiefs stayed undefeated. Patrick Mahomes uh, leading the Chiefs from 10 points down in Denver in the fourth quarter. A 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive to get within three. And then an 8-play, 60-yard touchdown drive for the what became the winning score with a minute 39 to play. Kansas City 27, Denver 23. The future of rock and roll went 28 of 45. Why do you for, call him the future of rock and roll? He's Springsteen. It, it's the, when I first saw Patrick Mahomes on tape, this is your... I felt the way John Landau must have felt when he saw Bruce Springsteen in 1974, and he wrote for that cult paper in Boston. I've seen the future of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. This this guy is the next generation of quarterback. His his incredible arm, his mobility, mm-hmm. his ability to use his legs uh, in a pass first, run if you have to, kind of scenario instead of the other way around, and his. Uh, professional sports acumen coming from his dad, the former baseball pitcher. Mm, so they're all going to have to look like this to compete. He's bionic. He's amazing. Okay. The future of... He's a Springsteen of quarterbacks. All right. He's undefeated. Springsteen has some defeats, just so you know. Chiefs are really good. Yeah, they are. Chiefs and the Rams are uh, the only two unbeaten teams. They're both awesome. I'm glad the uh, the Chiefs didn't get Earl Thomas. And Denver, God bless them. Oh, boy, boy, they could have used a healthy Earl Thomas. Yeah, they could have. Uh, Denver's trying to do it old school with defense and running the ball. <laughs> almost got it. Almost pulled it off last night. And you know what you call almost winning, Randall? <laughs> Losing. Losing. So there's just no chance anymore. It's not happening. Like, you're not going to, you know, all these people who are clamoring for the Steelers to go power eye and run downhill with James Conner and please you know that's please. you know that's being, watched the super bowl last year i know this okay. is what people are talking about like steeler fans in the, in yeah, the that's what they need chat rooms and stuff that's what they need we to need do. to build the offense around james connor yeah, because this isn't that's suited a to him great idea yeah i think that'll work 
Yeah, I play this Atlanta team. They're going to have 40 points coming off the bus. <laughs> going to have 17 on the board before they come out of the locker room. <laughs> Line up. Let's run the ball. Stack backfield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, out of the power eye. <laughs> well, I watched the, I watched the Falcons Bengals last night too, and uh, their offense is exquisite, and their defense is deplorable. So it's every team. Well, it's a lot of them. Uh, it's an awful, there are a few that are trying to do it okay, the old school way. We got to outscore those teams. Yeah, we should have outscored Wait, that team this, on Sunday. This just in. I'm getting <laughs> an update. Atlanta's one of those teams that can really score a lot of points yeah. and is probably going to rip the Steelers' defense to shreds. So Ben Roethlisberger better get on the same page with Antonio Brown. Okay, but not for nothing. I know you're not going to go back to doing the Packers sweep or anything like that, all right? But controlling the ball and the clock can really benefit a team oh, like the Steelers right now. Running it a little better would certainly help. Would Look at the time of possession. early in games. When the Steelers just like can't put a drive together and then go down a couple of scores early, which we've seen multiple times this year. What happened? There I, you go. I was coughing, so I shut my uh-huh. mic off. I think it goes back to the third down thing, and it's a, it's a cliche. Whenever a team doesn't do much, they say, well, we didn't convert third down, so we didn't have a chance to get to X, Y, and Z. But you really don't. And if they'd have made a few more third downs, then they might have run the ball better. Uh Speaking of the Steelers' ability to run the ball, we had uh, Alan Fanica on the show yesterday. Mm-hmm. Big Red, newly best. Min- newly minted Hall of Honor inductee, and hopefully yeah. future Hall of Famer. And uh, he talked about what he's seen with that Steeler running game. You know, last night it looked like just you know from me sitting up in the stands, it looked like some of the holes weren't quite there. Uh, you know, he hit a couple of them nicely uh, where they they got a, a chunk or two, but you know, I think anything involved with the running game, like you said, the, the sample size being so small. Sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes you need a big sample size to find what's going to work for you. And if you don't have the opportunity to uh, to stick to it and, and keep it going, then you might never find that one play that's somewhere buried on the uh, the, the play sheet uh, to, to get to it. Fennec also talked about uh, the transition without Le'Veon Bell and uh, the time that that process is taking. Man, I think that's the age we're in right now. But... Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think they're still going through some troubles with, uh, you know, they, they've had Levy on there for for years now, and, and that's a, that's a big cog in the offense that, that changes things a little bit, and, and everybody's got to react a little bit differently, and uh, you know, it's it's not the same. People don't re, you know respect the offense as a whole the same because they don't have uh, Levy on, you know, dancing around out there that they've got to worry about. It's a valid point. Yeah, but. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, in particular, two third-down throws to Antonio Brown just appeared to be way off. And he, he said he had a bad day at the office, Roethlisberger. Yeah, if, and, I mean, that's two plays out. I think they ran 59 offensive snaps or something. Two plays could have made a profound difference in that game. They were on two different drives in the second half, one when it was tied, one when they were down by three. How about the James Conner crackback block call? Uh, bad call. Yeah, bring that one back. Things could have been a little bit different. We'll talk with Gene Steratore. And the Ravens also got away with an illegal formation on third and one. We'll uh, we'll talk with Gene Steratore about how the Steelers got jobbed on Sunday night in our Zebra Talk. Jobbed? Yes. It's the first thing out of the Zebra's mouth. Jobbed. And uh, Val's got uh, news coming up top of the hour. Uh, we're going to talk about the top things that we sugarcoat for people when we don't want to destroy them. Jeremy Fowler, age 15, <laughs> talks about his exclusive interview with Le'Veon Bell and Cam Hayward at 845 here on... Okay.
All right, anyways, Mike, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on out Can there? Can I just say what you tweeted? Sure, go ahead. The know. LAPD is investigating a video of a man spanking a hippo at the Los Angeles Zoo. And Randy tweeted and said, Lem <laughs> Bell is at it again. <laughs> and I just, the visual of it. There's a picture of the guy spanking the hippo. He's not feeding the geese. No, he's not feeding the geese. He's spanking the hippo. <laughs> you know why that's disgusting? There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> because you Pick imagine one. somebody feeding the geese. Right. Yeah. <laughs> on a nice little bench There's on a some, pond. Yeah. Some old guy. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> I know. It's how you feed them. I know. Yeah. But the image that, is like, oh. Take the hand motion and then I know subtract the geese. I what it is. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Well, Lev Bell's going to have to stop spanking them hippos and get his uh, butt in shape. He now claims in an interview with ESPN's Jeremy Fowler that he'll be reporting to the Steelers week seven, their bye week, the week before the Browns game. And uh, now that is his words. We're going to talk with Jeremy Fowler, who conducted that interview for ESPN at 8.15 this morning. And we'll hear if Jeremy's interpretation of these events are uh, sound as good as they read on paper right now. I'm inclined to believe him because I want to believe him. Yes. But he's burned us before. Because we need him. I don't believe he's in shape. Until he posts a picture with his shirt off in today's paper, I'm not going to buy that. Yeah, he, I mean, again... He looked like DJ Khaled, like zooming around on a jet ski down there, kind of oafish, little bloated. Instagram videos of him working out were like his thing. Well, haven't seen one in quite a bit. Jerome Bettis wasn't ripped, was he? Yeah, but that that was like how he made his money by being the bus. Lev Bell's nickname wasn't. An oversized vehicle. <laughs> it was, point. you know, speed and agility was really his thing uh, and power. So we shall see what happens there. More on that developing story. Uh, you know, he, look, he might have just been tired of being ripped on social media nonstop and yeah. wanted to read some good things about him. Yeah, this could be a part of his like positive PR campaign spin. So we'll find out more with uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN later this morning, who interviewed Le'Veon Bell, and Lev says he's coming back to the Steelers. This could be the light at the end of the tunnel that we were looking for yesterday. (laughs) I love yesterday when Mike said, it's a train. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's the light at the end of the tunnel? A train. (laughs) I bet a lot of Steeler fans feel like us, and I don't know if you feel like this, but I do. I'm like... I can't stand Lev Bell. I want to be done with him, and then we're at where we're at in the season. And I'm like, oh God, please come back. Right. Please come back. Yeah, it's like a bad breakup. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You want to come back? You. Are you promised it'll be better this you time? There? We'll get Cam Hayward's thoughts on that at 8:45. The very funny DJ Gallo, 9:15 from Yahoo Sports, Sports Pickle uh, editor in chief, and. Rick Seaback. We're going to check in with Rick as he is convalescing. I don't know if you guys, if you've been following on social media, Rick has had the best, like there's Grubhub, there's Uber Eats, and there's whatever the hell Rick Seaback has. Seaback service. <laughs> UPM Seaback. Uh, <laughs> he's had nonstop delivery of the best restaurants in town for the duration of 
of his convalescence from his uh, torn quadricep. We'll talk with Rick a little later on this morning. Val has news for you now on DVE. What's up, Valerie? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast, and it's brought to us by Dormont Appliance. 11. It's 66 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by CBS Television. The death toll from the earthquake and tsunami in Indonesia is now over 1,000. Government is confirming at least 1,234 people died in the natural disasters that struck the island of Sulawesi on Friday. People in the tourist city of Palu are becoming more desperate. There's little running water, food, fuel, or drinking water. Damaged roads have made it hard to bring in relief supplies as well. A damaged airport and broken telecommunications infrastructure are adding to the chaos there. Well, what do you think would make you better at your job? Sleep. Three-day weekends. You would be exactly right. Having Fridays off might make us all better, more uh, more productive, and happier employees. There is an economist at the University of Oxford in England named Jan Emmanuel Deneuve, and he says studies show we'd all be better workers if we always had three-day weekends. He proclaims, quote, I would argue the four-day work week is spot on in striking that right balance between improving the work-life balance and unlocking productivity gains. This outweighs the net reduction in productivity from working a day less, end quote. So you work harder on those four days to get everything done. It's very tough More to, efficient. to just sort of generalize that and apply that to all job fields. Because some simply cannot do that. You can't just, I mean, if you're a nurse, you need to be there for X amount of hours. There's not a uh, a quotient to hit at the end of the week. Like, you have to load all of these pallets by mm-hmm. the end of the week, you know? Sure. So everybody's job requirements are different. And ours are based on being here. They're based on providing the service during these days. So I don't even, like this job, you couldn't be like, oh, and then we don't have a Friday show. Oh, and then we don't have a Monday show. It's just, it needs to be, it's a current thing. The whole Mm -hmm. idea is it never stops. It's kind of like the news in that way. Like it has to have, but does it? Because on the weekends, it's something different. Yeah, all right. Well, let's look into it, Bill. Let's uh, let's implement that. I do the Saturday show. You want to come in and do it? Sure. All right. All right, Bill Crawford on Saturday afternoons. You doing no, the Saturday uh, morning? Saturday morning, Bill. Six oh, you to come. 10. You come in six to ten Saturday morning, mm. bright and early. Why don't you do, Why don't you do that for a while and then let us know <laughs> how that feels? No, I was trying to get Fridays off. <laughs> <laughs> no, you I don't know how that off. translated into me coming in on Saturday. Don't you think Monday is the better day to have off? Yeah, because there is something about Sunday night knowing that you don't oh. have to get up the next day. Even though by Friday you're like, I want to get out of here. Sunday scaries are the worst. Though. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's but like But wouldn't they just up. turn into Monday scaries? No. Because you're like, well, I got away with one. <laughs> Already into Tuesday. <laughs> tomorrow's two for tuesday then you're excited about it and friday i mean even when you work on a friday it's kind of like it's friday hey yins guys it's hawaiian shirt day that's right jeans day sure <laughs> <laughs> every day is jeans day for us well most people will try to sugarcoat things when you know you don't want to crush someone's spirit or you don't want to start a fight we sugarcoat things on average 11 times a week that seems like That's a lot. Seems really like a lot. low. 
Oh. <laughs> the 10 most common times we feel like we can't say what we really think include when you have to tell someone what you think of their cooking. Yeah, that's rough. When a friend asks if you like their outfit. That guys don't ask that. No. They just ridicule each other and when if it they looks do, bad. Yeah, expect getting clowned for about the next six hours. You can be pretty sure if a dude makes a comment on your clothes and even says, oh, dude, I like those boots or whatever, or I like that jacket, they don't mean it. You're going, really? See, I would think the opposite. They really mean it if they actually comment. No, no, no. They're saying it because they're about to follow it up with a huge... You you don't accept the compliment. You're like, yeah, okay, where's the roundhouse? They're sizing you up yep. and about to drop a haymaker with the other arm. Exactly. They're like, I like that jacket. And you're like, really? Thanks. And they're like, did the fat boys have an estate <laughs> sale? Yeah. <laughs> When your significant other asks how What happened they to the look? fat boys, by the way? They were a big they deal for love. a while. I think they all um, had gastric bypasses. Yeah. <laughs> gastric bypass boys does not have as good of a ring. <laughs> um, when someone shows you a photo of their baby. I remember I saw this ugly baby one time. <laughs> and it was well, so ugly. Why was it ugly? It, was, it, had, it looked like... Did it have the cone head? Some no. of them look like aliens. It had a huge forehead. And it was my English teacher, my sixth grade English teacher, and him and his wife had a baby. And it was the ugliest baby. And I remember saying to my mom, like, is that baby okay? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, it's just, you know, it, some babies, you know, have bigger features than others. And I just kept, it took me a while to figure out, so that's just an ugly baby? And she didn't want to say it. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's the ugliest baby I've ever seen. I think babies have a weird look or could could have a well, weird some look. Some are beautiful. Like, oh, yeah. Some come out with a perfectly round Perfect head. Perfect skin. But like Kennedy, when she was born, she had that chicken nugget on the top yeah. of her head because they had to like suction cup her out. Right. Because she got stuck. Right. And then she had like a flat head. In the yeah. back from laying on her head too much. And then she had a fire engine red skullet where there was just <laughs> one patch of bright red hair and nothing else. I was like, put a hoodie on. Nothing but hoodies for her. <laughs> a lot of hoodies. Nothing but hoodies for her. So did you her. document it and it's something that you'll show them later or no? No. No, we had a strict no picture uh. policy. <laughs> and now she's, you know, the most beautiful, beautiful girl in my girl. world. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, um, but, but you know, babies look weird. Sometimes babies look weird. And that's, you know, I don't necessarily want to see your baby. Unless it's in person. Then I like to see your baby. Baby smells. I don't want to have I love a baby babies. I don't want to hear the cappuccino machine start. You ever hear that when you're around a baby? No. <laughs> that's it. Like the... <laughs> what, what the hell is that? That's them pooping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the so cappuccino machine. That's the crappuccino. <laughs> oh my! I'm like, what? What was that? Does she call out whose name is supposed to change? <laughs> Linda, <laughs> Linda, your diaper's ready. Your diaper's ready. <laughs> Write it on the side of the diaper. Here you go, Linda. Spelled her name wrong. Uh, we also sugarcoat it when there's something wrong with our food at a restaurant. Not everybody does that. Not my parents. <laughs> <laughs> my mom will send something back specific. in a heartbeat. Uh, you gotta be very careful with that. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan of it. My grandma used to do it. 
and uh, made me incredibly uncomfortable. I uh, I just say, you know what? I just wasn't into it. It's not you. It's me. I don't. I just try to because it's not. I I get too much anxiety over the booger in <laughs> com, coming back out of the kitchen. I sent <laughs> Is my booger coming back. I sent my dinner back last night only because they had all the wrong sides. Like they just did. They gave you the wrong dinner. That was yes, somebody else's. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was the right entree, right. but the all the side. I'm like, this is somebody else's. Right. You gave me somebody else's. She's like, oh, I don't know what he did. I have it right here on the check. Uh, once in a while, I'll be like, the cook is in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Val, Val, your your sides are ready. And I did feel kind of bad, but I didn't really. I didn't order anything of what they brought me. So if something's undercooked. I will. I'll be like, hey, I'll can you can you just just put it back under? I'm like, I don't want a new one. Just just cook this. Yeah, one but a they bit probably more. can't do that. Can they do that yeah. because of health violations? Now they do like, it all the time. You get your slobber on it. No, they do it all the time. I've had a burger before come back with my bite out of it. Well, like recooked. Oh. Let me ask you this, Val. If say you're, what you if order- they just cooked another burger and took a bite out of it, like the same bite? <laughs> <laughs> Let's replicate this. Tommy, take a bite of this. If they bring, if you say you order a burger with coleslaw, and they bring you a burger with coleslaw, French fries, and there's veggies on the side, they give you more than you ordered. You say I didn't order all this, or do you just go, just kind of like, oh, um, oh, thanks. Probably would say, yeah, you, I didn't order all of this because you wouldn't want to get charged. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Or I would just keep it and take it home. There are certain. Pla- I think it totally depends on where you are, in terms of how you handle sending food back or complaining about your food. If you're in a place that's like it's a, you know, the what's your dad call that place? The gag and puke. Yeah, if you're in a gag and puke <laughs> kind of place, you kind of have to deal with whatever it is. But if you're paying a lot of money, then you got to be like, hey, dude, I I don't because not I, I've been to dinner with like my mom used to send food back a lot, and I just have that anxiety about it. So I either just eat it and don't like it. Or right. just don't eat it and say, I wasn't as hungry as I thought. Even if something was undercooked, it's yeah. like, I'll get sick. I don't want to I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. I don't want to make waves. I'll throw up for days, guys. Don't <laughs> worry about me. I don't know who sugarcoats this when customer service keeps you on hold for a long time. Oh. Why don't you, you just hang up? <laughs> I hit zero 900 times. Yeah. <laughs> Take me work? to an operator. Before we get you there, how many... Operator! Human. They have somehow determined that if they ask you 900 questions from a computer, it's quicker than someone going, what's your date of birth? Right. What do you, what, you know, what, what's the reason for your call? I mean, it, they must have done studies or something because everybody uses that. Do you ever hear the, the prompt where the, the, uh, the person asks you, the automated voice asks you a question and then there's fake keyboard typing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Goes, oh my, it's my. like. Yeah, right. Oh my. <laughs> What is that? People sugarcoat it when their significant other is critical of them in some way. That just is. Wait, they, that's the other person should be sugarcoating. Yeah, it. I, I think that's what I meant to say. When you get a bad cup of coffee. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do? I don't that's know if just, I've ever had a bad cup of coffee. Have you? I'm I a, definitely I'm not really have. A coffee drinker. Where? Like a diner or something? Gas station or something. Oh, yeah. Like, but that, I mean, that's your fault. Well, that's... You yeah. guys used to complain about the coffee here. It, because uh, well, it the was... The coffee here was terrible. The worst... I don't know. We traded out with some, like, 
one of those places that like took the old coffee grounds from other businesses and <laughs> <laughs> dried them out. It's like coffee rescue oh, or something. It was so gross. Yeah. And when there's a baby around that won't stop crying. On an airplane is when you really have to bite your tongue. Like you can't be the guy who doesn't. Is it a baby though, or is it a toddler throwing a fit? Because babies, they you can't get mad at. It's a no, baby. that's a very normal reaction. Baby, you so can't get mad. Little head, and then right. it all of a sudden Pops. starts pressurizing. When kids scream and parents are just like indulging them, going, "Oh yes, it is mm-hmm. interesting." Instead of just being like, "Okay, there's a lot of people here. I just want them to have the talk." Hey, there's a lot of people here, and they don't need to hear you screaming. I don't want to hear some kid getting screamed at by an abusive parent. Just an attempt. To, calm, to, to calm the kid down instead of making everyone else on the plane part of your helicopter parent experience. <laughs> oh, my God. So we were at the Target the other day, me and the girls, and uh, we're walking, and there's this woman, and she's there with her little son, and he's a little toddler, and he's, like, walking kind of goofy, and he, like, trips over something and, like, knocks some cards off of the uh, the shelf. And she's like, come on, what are you doing? I told you, you can't keep knocking everything over in here. And we look over, and I'm like... I like laugh with her like, oh, kids, kids, aren't they, you know, like doing one yeah. of those like, oh, I know what you're and going through. And she was like, you are so stupid. Oh. You're just an idiot. She and says I'm like, a kid. Oh, God, this one, I don't endorse this anymore. I want to I want to separate myself from. I re- <laughs> rescinded my uh, my endorsement of the candidate. We are not the same. You and me. Uh, Louis C.K. not getting great reviews from what was his second comedy show since being accused of sexual misconduct. Mm. The 51-year-old made a surprise appearance at the Comedy Cellar in New York City early Monday morning. He got some cheers and applause, but there were people who walked out, some questioning whether he should be allowed back in comedy after admitting admitting to masturbating in front of women last November. Comedy Cellar says it has a swim-at-your-own-risk policy that does allow patrons to just walk out if they're not happy. It's weird. Three weeks ago, when he came back the first time, the owner said that Louie was ruining his life and he wished he never came back. Guess he has a short memory. I guess so. That's bizarre. Finally, it was one year ago today, October 2nd, the music world was dealt the devastating blow with the unexpected death of Tom Petty. He was 66. The L.A. County coroner said a number of his organs failed due to mixed drug toxicity that brought on cardiac arrest at his Malibu home the day before. He was on several pain meds for his fractured hip, including oxycodone, Xanax, Celexa, and two kinds of fentanyl, one which uh, was wow. in a patch. Just a week before, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers wrapped up their 40th anniversary tour at the Hollywood Bowl in L.A., which he did with not only that broken hip, but suffering from emphysema. He left behind his second wife, Dana, and two daughters by his first wife, Jane, Audria, and Anna Kim Violet. Last Friday, Petty's estate released the 60-song box set An American Treasure, which contains previously unreleased songs, alternate takes, and live cuts. Uh, here is Heartbreakers keyboardist Ben Montench uh, speaking about the year since his death and releasing that uh, retrospective. Me for an idea or a thought or an anecdote or a memory or something about my time in the Heartbreakers, which is essentially my entire adult life. What I can tell you is really kind people tell me all the time, you guys are the soundtrack to my life. You know what? We're the soundtrack to my life. I just heard the songs before everybody else did because my whole life was spent 
playing these songs. This is the soundtrack of my life, too. You can't say more than that. Another oh, video wow. has been released from An American Treasure. This is for the Echo Outtake Gainesville. It mixes home movies of Petty and the Heartbreakers members in Florida in the 70s with photos from their career. You can check out that video on the morning show page at dve.com. Showers and thunderstorms. Some might be severe today. Upper 70s for the high. It's 67 at DVE. Oh, man, I just can't. That's a hard one to digest to this day. Yeah, that bums me out. Can't believe he had two different kinds of fentanyl going with Percocet. Jeez Louise. Xanax. All right, uh, Mike Pursuta coming in here with your sports in a little bit. Jeremy Fowler talked with Levy on Bell. Lev says he's coming back to the Steelers. How much of that should you believe? How excited should you be? We'll talk with Gene Steratore, our Zebra Talk segment at 745. Steelers got jobbed Sunday night a couple of times. Crackback block, James Conner. BS call. Illegal formation not called on third and one against the Ravens, and those cost the Steelers dearly. Also, we've got Cam Hayward, 845, DJ Gallo, 915, Seaback closing things out for us today. And Mike Pursuta has your sports when we return right here on the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And is there joy in Mudville? Lev Bell says he's coming back. Will he? If he does, how will he be perceived and received? Sports is are brought to you by Blackish on My22. Bell had a lot to say to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com yesterday, and uh, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head, Randall. The important framing of this story is to point out that Le'Veon Bell said that blank. Right. Blank, that he still thinks he can achieve a long-term contract with the Steelers. He intended to play this season all along. He's going to be fully committed when he gets here, which according to the ESPN report uh, would be sometime around week 7 or 8 uh, in advance of the October 28th game against Cleveland. Until he puts it in a rap song, I don't believe him. The teammates are going to be okay with him. He <laughs> understands why they were critical of him. He hopes they'll understand his side of it. Uh, a lot is being talked about. Uh, we'll see what comes to pass. Uh, Le'Veon Bell says that uh, he could play tomorrow if he had to. He's in shape. Prove it. Yeah, I don't know. Not- Send us a selfie, bro. Right. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell would certainly help, but uh, so too would uh, better play. And uh, to me, the lasting impression of that loss to the Ravens on Sunday night, 26-14, to 14, is not that, uh, boy, it would have been a different game if Le'Veon Bell had been playing. It was that it could have been a different game had Ben Roethlisberger played better. And Roethlisberger, critical of himself afterward, taking ownership of a bad day at the office. Uh, ben Roethlisberger does that a lot, but uh, I think in this instance it was justified. You know, sometimes they lose and he says it's on me just because he thinks that's what the quarterback right. is supposed to say. I don't, I don't think he thought that this time. I don't think he thought that this time either. And, uh, I went back and watched a little of it again yesterday and a couple of plays that really stood out uh, in terms of how did they not make that one. Third and four from the Steelers, 47. 7.35 left in the third quarter. It's still 14-14 at this point. It's a four-man rush from Baltimore. Bell is uh, one-on-one outside. And all he does is run a little out beyond the sticks, and Ben just sails it Brown, you in, mean. into the bed. Brown, yes. Sorry. Um, Chris Collinsworth summed it up thusly, quote, I don't know what happened to that throw. I don't know if that one slipped. He didn't get the laces. I don't know what happened. 
He had what he wanted. Simple little out route. Missed it by a mile. Again, that was Antonio Brown one-on-one. Had the first down. Keep the chains moving. Mm-hmm. Keep possession. Game still tied. Who knows where it goes from there, right? And then the really big one, uh, third and 12 from the Steelers, 28. Three minutes and eight seconds left in the third quarter. They're down three at this point. Third and 12 is difficult, but uh, Ben Roethlisberger tried to hit Antonio Brown, breaking in over the middle, threw it behind him. Now, I don't know, was Brown supposed to stop? Was he supposed to keep going and the throw was behind him? Whatever it was, it was messed up, but the play was there to be made. Chris Collinsworth, Collinsworth said, quote, tried to hit Antonio Brown right out of the break. He really had another moment to make this throw. Plenty of time. Perfect protection. The timing of the break and the throw was just off. That was a chance for a huge catch and run. That's a couple of misses now by Ben. And the huge catch and run part, the safety was coming up on the wrong side of it. Um, James Washington and a cornerback were on the other side of the field. Everybody else was behind Brown. He would have had to beat one guy to score from midfield if he catches that thing in stride. So they missed some big opportunities. Yes, and that had nothing to do with too much coverage on on Antonio Brown because Le'Veon Bell's not there. And I'm not saying they wouldn't be better without Le'Veon Bell. I'm saying they should be able to work around his absence better than they have. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody would dispute that. It would help, uh, you know, if the. Hope ref- that's clear. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is better than James Conner, but James Conner does not stink and is not incapable of playing. Well, and again, it, last night and every other NFL game shows you you can't line up in a power eye and just you know go old school control the clock defense running game you said the Broncos are attempting something you know resembling that but in today's NFL where these 300 yard games are basically popping up nonstop it used to be a rarity and now it's happened in record fashion i believe the first score of the game last night set a record for the first four weeks of the NFL. In terms of points scored. Yeah. It's a new age. It's a new game. you got to be able to throw it and catch it and rush the passer. Um, there are some people that are trying to do it a little different way, but uh, for the most part, the teams that go a long way, the two teams that played for the trophy last year, put up, what, 1,100 yards? Was that, it was a ridiculous figure. Mm-hmm. And uh, that the Steelers need to get back to doing that because they're capable of doing that with or without Le'Veon Bell. The defense is so bad right now, though. And one of the problems with that defense <laughs> is Artie Burns, who uh, <laughs> won. He started this time, but he again shared cornerback with Cody Sensabaugh until they had the injury that cost them Nat Burhey, and then the secondary was all convoluted. But uh, Artie Burns trying to work through some significant issues in the third year of his career. Uh, Hall of Famer Rod Woodson stopped by our Steelers Radio Network pregame show on Sunday night prior to kickoff, and we talked a little bit about what's wrong with Artie Burns. Really, you know, guys get drafted in this league, and um, and I, I witnessed this being a coach in Oakland for four years. You would think all the players that get drafted are in the National Football League believe in who they are. A lot of times they don't. And sometimes it's from the negative experience they've had on the field, um, from bad things happening on the field. And, you know, they have to find a way to get through all that, especially at corner. Because if you feel that you don't belong, if you feel that you can't compete, you don't. You feel that you can't cover, then you won't. So, um, 
you know, he has all the physical tools. He has the, the measurables. He has the speed. It's in the difference is, and it was told to me from Chuck Knoll, my second year or my second week in Pittsburgh. It's not about talent. Everybody's talented. Everybody gets drafted because you're talented. It's the guys who can take it two to one, mental to physical. Because at the end of the day, you got to have recall in games from formation-driven um, offenses. They're going to give you certain things, and then come back and, and you see that formation. You see that route's going to be ran, and you're not scared to put your foot in the ground. He has to get to that point, and he has to believe in who he is. He has to believe that every time he gets on the field that he's going to win all his one-on-one matchups. And until he gets to that point that he has that belief in the person he sees in the mirror every single day, 100% is not fake, he's going to struggle. Can we send him to a workshop with Woodson? Tell you what, Rod's just doing network stuff now. I mean, wouldn't that's be a bad idea that was to get awesome. Those, wouldn't be a bad idea to get those two in a room together. Unleak, unleash the good corner within. With Woodson. I just, every time I hear Chuck Knoll's name invoked, I wonder how Mike Tomlin reacts like, because he probably hears it all the time, too. And he's like, oh, man, Chuck Knoll again. Here we go. All right, fine. Well, but know, there's there's a reason why. You know it's what, Mike? True. Win three more Super Bowls, and someday they'll be talking about you that way. You got to be smart. Then That's they'll what just I say. took away from that. One of the things Artie Burns did that uh, I found profoundly disappointing in that Ravens game, fourth quarter, fourth and two. The Ravens run a little wide receiver sweep to Chris Moore, and he cuts it up in into the line. And Artie Burns is unblocked at the play. He's in the gap. He's standing on the line to gain. And rather than attack Moore and hit him with a form tackle, he waits for Moore to come to him and then just tries to throw a shoulder into him and basically knock him down with his shoulder. It didn't work. Artie's always been a reluctant tackler. He was getting better, I thought, at that last year, but he seems to have regressed there as well. This is clearly not a confident guy who believes in himself right now. And as Rod Woodson just said, if you ain't that... You ain't good enough. All right, well, let's get him into some Tony Robbins seminars or something like that. That's what I'm saying, man. When we come back from the break, the Steelers got jobbed on Sunday by the, the, the Stripes. Two huge plays that they mishandled. Huge. So we're going to yell at Gene Steratore. He didn't make the call. It doesn't matter. He's just going to verify that they got jobbed for us. Actually, I'm not I... buying him any toilet paper. Uh, last week we had him on and we just yelled at him. Gene, put me down for a 12-pack. I'll buy some toilet paper. I go through it a lot. Oh, yeah? Well, all right. Steeler fans are uh, in mass, on mass these days because if they don't start winning, I don't know what the make or what the fall is going to be in Western PA. Every Pennsylvania team lost this past weekend, right? Everyone? Pitt, I believe so. Pitt Everyone. Penn, Pitt, Penn State. Not all of the... Harrisburg badminton team lost. All of Fly that. Eagles flag upbeat. Hey, so uh, don't forget, Steelers huddle back on DVE tonight from 7 to 8 with Jerry Dulac, Dale Lawley, and Steeler defensive end Stefan Tuitt. That's 7 o'clock tonight on DVE. We got Jeremy Fowler on at 8.15. He spoke with Lev Bell. Spoke in class today. So we'll talk with Jeremy. He will have spoken. I think his arms will be raised in a V. Cam Hayward, 8.45. Also, DJ Gallo, founder of Sports Pickle, in the 9 o'clock hour. But Gene Steratore is next on your home of the black and gold. 102.5. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Mike Pursuta and uh, Bill Crawford. 
hanging out with us right now. And it's time for Zebra Talk. Our friend Gene Steratore, legendary NFL referee, uh, joining us now. Sponsored by Havas Auto and Truck Supply. Good morning, Gene. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Well, the referee screwed us again, Gene. <laughs> Here we go. One, two, three. You're a bum. You lost us everything. <laughs> okay. Well, there were. I do have some legitimate questions about. Like, we'll start with the Steelers first, and the crack black or crack back call on James Connor. Yeah, the crack back block call on James Connor. Uh, which was in the was that in the second quarter, Mike? It was third down, third and four from the Ravens thirty six. Uh, what was wrong with that block? It didn't look like it was a crackback block to me. It looked like the guy's head was in front. Uh, but you just said that was there was something wrong with the block. It, it, it's uh, it's really not a crackback block. It, it's a good football play from from what I saw, and I was traveling back, but I tivoed the game naturally, so that I would be somewhat prepared for the uh, quasi-abuse that I was going to take this morning. So, uh, Well, you're meeting our standards being somewhat prepared, Gene. That's what we like. That's <laughs> all like we it. ask. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, the, the block is legal. Crackback blocks occur within five yards, either side of the line of scrimmage, from players who are initially lined up outside of the tackle box and are blocking back toward the original position of the ball or the snap. Uh, this play is already well beyond five yards. The linebacker that's pursuing is is facing Connor. Uh, you know, he, he blocks him high, but it's it, there's nothing illegal about the play from everything I see. It's just a good football block. Let's fast forward to the fourth quarter, Gene. Uh, John Harbaugh went into his bag of tricks. That sneaky, <laughs> that sneaky SOB. He lined up Max Williams next to the center, but was Max yeah. Williams really an eligible receiver on third and one from the Ravens 23? No, guys, he wasn't uh, by the technicality of the rule. I mean, and, and this is the thing about those kind of plays. Um, if he's in a tight end position or he's in a wide receiver, like a, I would like to say a normal position for a player like that. Offline. Um, yeah, yeah, he's in a receiving spot, Mike. You know, and it, you don't want to split a hair if his – if his helmet is breaking the waistline of an interior lineman like that, you know, you wouldn't dive in there and get overly technical because of that. But with, with a play like this where, um, where deception or, or something that unusual, so, so he's put in a position to deceive a little, right, which is legal for him to do it, but, but everything has to be really technically legal on a play like that. So do they get more t- – you know, we would get more technical with him being legal in a play of that scenario. Now, look, um, I, I'll defend my uh, my peers and my ex-peers as much as I possibly can. You know, they don't want to miss a play like that. But I can assure you that it may be a play that would surprise an official real quick just because, of it, you know, it's so unnatural. Um, and unfortunately, you just don't get to rewind. You know, uh, plays like that happen, and all of a sudden you go, oh, my God, where did he come from? You know, and then uh, it, it's too late and he's gone. But technically, his helmet's breaking the waistline of the interior lineman there. So, And that's the letter uh, of the law is he's got to be behind him. You can't break that plane to be legal. Exactly, exactly. And he's creeped up inside there a little. If you look at the replay of it, you know, kind of where he, he, he's technically, uh, you know, violating there. Yeah. Should they also have called a penalty on Harbaugh for trying that crap in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think uh, I think Coach Harbaugh has been uh, has been on the other end of plays like that uh, in the past. <laughs> yes. So, uh, 
you have to give him some credit to uh, you know to continue to be looking for things uh, uh, to benefit from in some of those scenarios. You know, you know, the Cleveland Police Department put out a tweet that uh, uh, claimed a robbery warrant had been issued for the officials in the Browns Raiders game. Listen, Randy, you're talking to somebody who was sued by a prisoner in Dallas. Wait, 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 hold on a second. (laughs) What, you were sued? You got to tell me this story. Yeah, yeah, well, it was the Des Bryant catch in Green Bay, you know, and then, I don't know, it was a couple months later that somebody finds, who finds this information, I'll never know, but, you know, a a prisoner filed a, you know, a legal lawsuit to ban me from certain (laughs) counties in Dallas or something like that. I think the document was like document number 88, you know, we want to ban Sarasor from this county in Texas forever, and the scary part is, I don't know how far it went, but I think the judge actually sat and listened to the case, too, you know? (laughs) Well, it is Dallas. In Texas, they don't mess around with the Cowboys. You didn't get hanged in Texas. (laughs) Listen, Guys, I didn't go to Texas. I didn't have the Cowboys for like three or four years. And last year, the first time I entered Dallas was the first round of the NCAA playoff. And it's uh, two teams from Texas, you know, and the, you guys know the first games in the in March Madness. Yeah, you get a smattering of fans, you know, and it's geographically all put into a mixed bag. So sometimes that first week, there's a few empty seats, you know. But this game, like the tickets were going for 400 a ticket because it was a rivalry in Dallas. And, you know, I land at the Dallas airport. I'm thinking, you know what, guys, you probably need to get extra security to get me to the to the Uber here because uh, it's my first <laughs> time in the city and i got a pretty big game tomorrow night in front of the state of Texas, you know? Oh, yeah, that's, that is, that's hilarious. They don't mess Gene, around down there. Gene, should it warm my heart that you referred to that play as the Des Bryant catch? Yeah, it should warm your heart that way. Let it, let it, let it. <laughs> well, we got away from the Calvin Johnson catch. See, I had to live with that one for the first four years, and then it became, oh, you're that Des Bryant guy. Yeah, I know. And then, then I became the Zach Ertz guy, which was kind of good, you know. Calvin didn't catch it. Des didn't catch it. Zach Ertz caught it. That's it, guys. I quit. I'm hey, yeah, yeah. out of here. Go out with a W. Yeah, we got a W. Let's go home. Someone caught it. <laughs> well, you know, on first uh, uh, glance, it would appear that Carlos Hyde had the first down that would have sealed the game for the Browns. But I don't, you know, I don't think it's too difficult to look at it again and understand why they called it the way they did. It's a hard play. Look, I've had other ways of, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the era of technology of deciding what first downs are and, and what they aren't in my past as well. Uh, and ironically enough, it was in that stadium last year that I, uh, you know, I pulled up, I pulled my penalty card out and slid it down the pole of the first down, said if the card touched the foot of the uh, nose of the football, it was a first down. You know, I, I, I did that and, uh, and received a little backlash for it. They're difficult. You know, when you mark a ball like that, and I could tell you, like, if you can get human for a second, too, let's say they challenged that thing, and I didn't get to see the play as it unfolded, so I don't know if they challenged it. And then you're told after replay, hey, you got to go back out there and move the football a little bit. I mean, try to be human for a second and realize you're leaving this little tablet and look at a football on the field, right? And now you're going to leave and walk out in the front of 22 of these guys and move this football, what, like three inches? And then here come the sticks and, and the anxiety of thinking, my goodness, if, if this is a first down by a half inch or something, or if it isn't, and I've just adjusted this ball from a surface tablet to the field, 
uh, it created a mini panic attack there for about 15 seconds, you know? Yeah. But Gene, is there any reason you didn't come up with a credit card don't leave home without a commercial after yeah. that? I'm working on it, Mike. Easy. I've just been out of this thing for only three or four months. I'm I'm waiting for the staples in office, Max. I want a little bidding, you know. I've got easy <laughs> leverage here. Last one, uh, I don't know. Did you see the Arden Key flag uh, for roughing the passer on Baker Mayfield? It seemed to me to be the only egregious roughing the passer call this past weekend. You know, I- I'm sorry that I didn't see that one. Um there, you know, it was ironic. I think it was halfway through the 1 o'clock games. Uh, you know, and I kind of try to get some statistics as I'm working mm-hmm. in the studio because I'm watching seven games in a, you know, at right. one time. So uh, we did get a call uh, in from some statistics people that said, you know, there was not one roughing the passer called in, through the first half of all the 1 o'clock games last week. So I haven't gotten the stats today for the entire week. But Yeah, that Arden know, call was late in the game. It was late in the game. So maybe uh, maybe we're starting to, to correct it and, or, or people are amending their play so that we won't see so many of those flags each and every Sunday. You know, Rand, what, what I think I really hope happens again, and I know we've said it maybe the last couple of weeks, God knows I've had a lot of interviews because of roughing, but if they can just allow the officials a little bit of leeway to to apply some of their judgment, which mm-hmm. I know some of you guys think isn't the greatest at times, but... No, you're starting to win us over, you know, No, man, the eye test is the no, only way right. to do this. You're starting to win us over. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that's where, it, it, if it gets into that, I, you know, there was one I had with Green Bay and Buffalo this week where uh, he starts to land with almost all of his body. He kind of moves his arms away to brace himself, the defender, I'm saying, as he's going down on top of the quarterback and and this official uh, referee in that game, Bill Vinovich, uh, who happens to be the only other NFL ref that works college basketball. Uh, you know, he stayed away from the call. And, um, you know, that's my hope. And I, and I, and I think, again, we, we all hope that happens. It's a tough box to be in as a ref, guys. You know, when you get a, a directive that says, look, we, we don't want you to apply anything, it's, it's a black and white thing. Football and officiating in general, it, there's a lot of science to it. Uh, but what makes great officials and great players and everything else is there's a little bit of an art to it, too. You know, So if we can have a little window in there to adjudicate and, and, and rule on things because of our feelings and, and what, our, what our experiences are, uh, I think at the end of the day, yeah, they'll miss some, but, but we'll get to a better place. You know, and that's the hope, right? Gene Steratore delivering us to a better place. Sponsored by Hubbis <laughs> Auto and Truck Supply this morning. Zebra Talk on DVE. Gene, thanks as always. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Jeremy Fowler spoke with Le'Veon Bell yesterday. Jeremy Fowler will join us here at 8.15 on the DVE Morning Show. I don't necessarily want to see your baby. Unless it's in person. Then I like to see your baby. Baby smells. I don't want to hear the cappuccino machine start. You ever hear that when you're around a baby? No. <laughs> That's it. Like the- <laughs> what, what the hell's that? That's them pooping. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's the so cappuccino funny. machine. That's the crappuccino. Oh my! I'm like, what? What was that? Does she call out whose name is supposed to change? <laughs> Linda. <laughs> Linda. Your diaper's ready. Your diaper's ready. <laughs> Write it on the side of the diaper. Here you go, Linda. Spelled her name wrong. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Le'Veon Bell says he's coming back to the Pittsburgh Steelers and playing in 2018. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN had the story. He'll join us 10 minutes from now and we'll expound on his conversation with 
the uh, embattled running back for the Steelers now who finds himself not exactly a fan favorite these days, but he could provide that glimmer of hope that Steeler fans are looking for, that they'll be able to pull themselves out of this just horrible, I don't know, the doldrums that they, they find themselves in as a result of having watched this defense get rolled every single week. He could save us. That's right. By keeping the defense off the field. There you go, right? <laughs> he can't play corner, but uh, he can uh, run the clock down a little bit and get some points on the scoreboard. So we'll talk with Jeremy Fowler about his discussion with Le'Veon Bell at 8.15. Val has news for you now. What's up, Valerie? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 11. It's 67 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Citizens Bank. Twitter is going to cast a wider net when it comes to stopping people from using the platform to maliciously spread disinformation. The idea is to try to clamp down on the ability of those trying to influence elections. To that end, the platform <laughs> is... Broadening the types of bad behavior it looks for from fake accounts to spam. Companies also cracking down on accounts that share leaked and hacked info like the hacked emails from the Democratic National Committee in 2016 and emails that were released ahead of the French election. People who are happily married live longer. Hmm. A new study, yeah. well, probably people who are happy in general. Yeah. A new study uh, shows that people who rated their marriages as very happy or pretty happy have 20% lower odds of dying early compared to people who say their marriages are, yeah, not great. Researchers from the University of Colorado surveyed more than 19,000 married people up to age 90 for more than 35 years. One of the co-authors says a good marriage can improve health as spouses encourage each other to eat healthy, exercise, and get regular medical checkups. A good marriage also provides meaningful roles and identity, purpose in life, and a sense of security. Sure, yeah. There, I believe there are some. Sense. There are some people who just cannot be. They just won't let themselves be happy. Yeah, it has nothing to do with their marriage. They just aren't going to be happy no matter what. So, based on this story, does that mean if you encourage each other to eat healthy, exercise, and go to the doctor, you have a happy marriage? Like, is that all? It I takes? think some some people are receptive receptive to that stuff, and some <laughs> people are not. You know. Well, I've been pretty lucky always in terms of neighbors. I've never had bad neighbors. Hopefully, I've never been a bad neighbor. God, I wish I had you as a neighbor. Like, Val is the perfect neighbor because you know she'd never, ever be a pain in the ass. If you needed her to murder somebody, she would. Bring I you just, a pie when you first get right. to the neighborhood. Like I, you could, you could be like, I don't. I need you to not judge me right now. There's a body in the backyard, and she'll be like, What do you need me to do with it? She comes back. She's like, I have a hazmat suit. Mm-hmm. I use it to <laughs> do yard work, so I don't get poisoned. I actually thought of you the other day because I was doing yard work and I didn't have my hazmat suit on. <laughs> you didn't. No. How many times a year do you put on the hazmat suit? Um, it was only. That particular hillside, because Tim says it's covered in poison ivy. <laughs> so I didn't, but I got a, I got an itchy spot on my belly yesterday, Uh-oh. and I was like, oh my God, I have poison ivy, but it was just, I don't know what it is. You have itchy belly. It's a big bu- bug bite, I guess. Val gets um, dressed up like uh, Marty McFly when he's dressed <laughs> as the alien in the barn yeah. <laughs> to do yard work. But I have seen videos online of really awful neighbors. Um, so 2,500 people were asked to name the most annoying neighbor habits. The top 10 include letting their trash overflow, blasting the television, mm. being, oh, being grumpy neighborhood. in general. I'm grumpy. Not cleaning up after their dog. 
loud kids, loud pets like a dog that won't stop barking. Parking issues like barking your driveway, loud parties, loud voices, and the number one complaint, loud music. Loud music, I think, is a tough one. Like kids, that doesn't bother me at all. I grew up in yeah, the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you kind of, I kind of like that. Uh, a dog that's barking incessantly, and I'm a dog person. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Oh, yeah. You can't just leave your dog no. outside to bark. And those are the dogs that always end up living next door to me. <laughs> when we lived on a hill in Greenfield, we would come out of our back, uh, our back door, and the porch on the uh, the upper side of the hill the dogs would always be right there so they were almost at eye level with us mm-hmm. and we'd come out of the door and they'd just be like for five minutes and then the dog would like forget about it you'd make the littlest noise and then it would reset i'm like we gotta go inside i can't what are we doing I feel very guilty when my dogs bark. And my dogs aren't barkers. Like, they'll bark at... If they see somebody, they'll bark at them, but then they'll stop. Mm -hmm. But I get very, very sensitive. I don't want them to bark at people. Yeah. I don't want them to disturb the neighbors. My dogs never bark. They just sat and stared at the door. They were not barkers. I have the best neighbors now. And I want to be a good neighbor. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, this is good. I feel like I'm in my blue heaven. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I, I literally said that last week about you. Really? I was like, Crawford is in my blue heaven. He's like the guy who came over to the East End oh and he's over God. there going, hey, this is nice. We're going Look to the football this. game tonight. Uh, hey, I'm part of the neighborhood over hey, here. what kind of grass you got? I got fescue. <laughs> what are you doing? So hilarious. You got the blue Kentucky bluegrass? I was literally describing your experience. I'm like, he's my blue heaven now. <laughs> Hey, I'm thinking of re-blacktop hey. in my driveway. <laughs> Anybody want to help? Going to start selling stuff out of your trunk to the neighbors. Oh, I, I, we take walks and we talk to, you know, well, wave to the neighbors, yeah. meet their dogs, their kids. It's it's wonderful. It's nice. Stan Saverin told me, gave me advice about being a neighbor that I never forgot. And I don't necessarily take it to heart, but I just thought it was hilarious that it came from Stan. It was when I bought my house, like way back. And uh, he's like, you bought a house, huh? Let me give you some advice. Don't talk to anybody on your street <laughs> ever. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I was going to say build a moat. I thought he said that I, once. I think he was like experiencing some, uh, you know, people up. Bad neighbors. Invest issues. in a drawbridge. Yeah. No, I'm lucky. I have great neighbors. Yeah, that can be awful. I'm just quiet. I'm, I'm mostly quiet. And if I'm loud, it's like once a month. We used to have neighbors <laughs> that, that lived across the street from us and had a, a porch that faced our front door and would just stare at our house. So when we walked out of the house, it'd be like, oh, okay, all right. They would sit on the porch and stare at your house? Yeah. Well, it's kind of tough if you live right across the street. I don't know, but can't you talk to each other at least a little bit? Just sitting there in silence, <laughs> staring they, at my house? Maybe they talked about everything. Look at that house. That house sucks. <laughs> I don't like that house. You can just feel the, contem- never liked the that contempt house. your neighbors have for your yeah. house. Well, who knew this is all it takes to fight crime? A Florida woman scared a naked guy off her porch with her toothless grin. Penelope Pedersen was awakened by a noise on her porch in the wee hours of Friday morning, so she opened the blinds. She saw a naked man in front of her window. Well, the woman is a retired security guard. She popped out her dentures and yelled, Look, Grandma, no teeth! 
Apparently, that's all it took to scare the guy away. It's like oh. Kingpin. <laughs> I thought she was summoning him. <laughs> Police uh, caught up with the 28-year-old a short distance down the street. Still naked and highly intoxicated, he was taken in on charges of burglary and indecent exposure. That's Florida? That is, yes, Florida. Yeah, right, that makes sense. Yeah. There is a report out that Netflix is going to let viewers decide on how some shows end. Bloomberg reports Netflix will roll out the interactive feature of choosing endings on shows like one of your favorites, Randy, Black Mirror. Black Mirror is incredible. Projects released before the end of the year will follow the model of some kid shows already on Netflix like Puss in Boots. The technology follows the pattern used in video games. Netflix is working on shows based on video games, including a take on Minecraft that is due by the end of this year. Um, almost through, well... Most of the way through that show, Maniac, the new one, mm-hmm. Jonah Hill, Emma Stone, that uh, Carrie Fukunaga directed, the True Detective season one director. Justin Throw, Sally Fielder in it. Justin Throw is so good in it. It is so mm. unique and so bizarre. I have no. I'm starting to lose it completely though. I, I don't know what's going on. It's really yeah. interesting to watch, but it's just it's difficult to follow. Would you like to choose how it ends? Yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, how I, I I always choose how they end. <laughs> I've seen the Puss in Boots one that they're talking about where you can change the uh, mm-hmm. the outcome. Yeah. It's dumb. It feels like to me that you, you didn't you want me to do the work? Isn't that This what, is the self checkout line of creativity here. Isn't I would that have what, Puss ki- kill all the other heads of the other no, Puss families and make the Puss father. Isn't that what Josh Baskin did in Big? Yes, like exactly. Like he designed, designed books where you could pick the ending? Yes, that's like, right. In like 1985. Well, that was the genius thing he Josh did in Baskin. 1985. Josh! Showers and thunderstorms, upper 70s for the high today. It's 67 at DVE. Le'Veon Bell has awoken. The Kraken has emerged. 26 spoke with Jeremy Fowler from ESPN yesterday, and Jeremy joins us now on the DVE Morning Show. Jeremy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, So with Le'Veon's... revelation yesterday that he was going to come back i've kind of taken this as all right well it's news but i don't know how much stock i should put in what levy on bell says right now were you able to get a sense of his earnestness how much he meant that this was going to happen well we, we spoke at length and you know i can understand uh that frustration you know coming from from especially people in pittsburgh right now right the way things have unfolded but uh, we got into a bit of everything, and, and I, I tried to um, give him a chance to answer, you know, really uh, every uh, tangible topic, whether it's how he's going to ingratiate himself into this locker room that was not quite happy with him, mm-hmm. um, you know, how he plans to approach this on the field when he gets here. Is he going to be fully committed? You know, what kind of shape is he in right now? Um, you know, why was he on the jet skis in Miami? All that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and really, you know, he he, he dove in. I mean, um, you know, talking to him, the only thing that was off limits was exactly the day that he was going to report or the week he was going to report. He did, you know, of course, say that he plans to play, so he has to be here before week 11. And, you know, source told me he's expected to be here around the bye week. So, um, so he you know, wasn't he said, the well, one, he wasn't the one that told you he was going to be here by the bye week. Well, I, it, I can never reveal a source, but I, we, we did not talk about that. You know, he, um, as, as far as he would, he did not want to reveal a, a, a exact date. Okay. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, he you know he said, look, I got some work to do in that locker room. I get it. I know why guys are frustrated, and when I get there, I will be um, ready to help this team win. He said it's been hard to watch some of the games, and I feel I feel like I can certainly help. 
Does he have a sense of how the fans have turned on him? Oh yeah, he did, and he was pretty self-aware about that. He said, "Look, I know I've lost some fans. I've definitely lost some fantasy football fans. I've, I've probably lost some Steeler fans, and that's unfortunate." But he said, "Look, you know, watching that Earl Thomas injury in that Seattle game, um, that's why I stayed away. You know, and I know that can he or he said I know that could still happen in games that I would play this year, but I, I just you know he, he said I couldn't." feel good about touching the ball another 400 times um, knowing my contract situation and, and really the box he felt he was put under with that franchise tag. You know, he said, you look at the other contracts or guys like Todd Gurley and David Johnson and other running backs, they were getting a lot more guaranteed money that he was, than he was offered here in Pittsburgh because they do contracts differently the way they structure it. They don't guarantee a lot of that money. And he said that, that for him was the core issue and that, you know, he said the Steelers wanted it both ways. They wanted him here, but they wanted to sort of handcuff what he could do there. And he said that that wasn't fair. So the totality of it was a seventy million dollar offer from Pittsburgh with only seventeen million in guarantees. That's what he said. Yep, because he said that was the first year money. Whether it's you know the signing bonus, um, and really he said the salary is not even guaranteed. The signing bonus is, is, is essentially it in that regard. Antonio Brown had a similar contract where, where his money, I, think, I want to say it was a $19 million signing bonus. That was really the only true guarantee. Now, Pittsburgh argues that, hey, we when we sign players long-term, we know what we're doing. You're going to play out that contract. So it, it essentially is guaranteed without being technically guaranteed. But Bell felt for his position and the volatility of it, that, that was a, a tough uh, proposition. Jeremy, I don't know if you got into this with uh, Le'Veon Bell or not, but he does not perceive himself any differently, apparently, based on his suspension history and knee injury history. He still thinks that guaranteed money's going to be there. Yeah, he does. Um, and and yeah, that's one thing I didn't ask him specifically about it is the suspensions. But, you know, he, he had said in the past he felt that he had moved on uh, uh, from that, and that hasn't been a problem for years. Um, you know, so, so he said come March – you know, based on what they did with the market analysis with him and his agent, they feel pretty comfortable with, with all those teams out there with cap space, whether it's, you know, the Colts, 49ers, Browns, um, that, that, that they'll dig in and open those books. You know, he said the guaranteed money will be there, was his quote. And would there be, in his mind at least, uh, any sort of pitch count? Let's say he comes for the Cleveland game for the sake of argument. Let's say things go well. He's getting the ball a lot. Let's say they advance through the playoffs. Is he going to get to the AFC Championship game and say, well, I hit my 250-touch limit? He, he said no limit as, as in the conversation we had. He said he's, he, he'll be ready to play. There's only one speed you can play at, um, I think was his worry, that you know you can't just go in there and, and expect to be a role player. He wants to go in there and, and be you know, a workhorse, but – Knowing that, he said, knowing that I could only play one way, it, it was hard to play the full 16 games as a result. You know, like the, I, it was, the team wasn't going to let him play, you know, 10 carries a game. He knows that because he'll, he'll want to do more and the team will want him to do more. All the fans have seen of him is him on a jet ski and him in a nightclub doing a show. And in both of those, he looks plus size. Let's just say that. Um, how did you talk to him about that and the perception that he's not in shape by the fan base? <laughs> yes, uh, I, I didn't use the word plus size, but I, <laughs> plus I, size is nice. <laughs> yeah, it's very I, I did ask him about that, like, hey, like the perception is that uh, you're not ready to go. Um, you know, what do you say about that? And he said, you know, once the season started to kick into gear. 
um, you know, he knew he wasn't coming in week one. He said he did take a week off or so, and that uh, a lot of those moments were caught on camera. Um, but he said he's been going after it all day. He said he, he said that week three is a bit, or I'm sorry, year three was the best shape he had ever been in. He said he's very close to that right now. He said he feels in top physical condition, and uh, you know he feels like he's a smarter player as well now, and, and that will help him. Does he feel as though he's been misrepresented at all by the team, the fan base? There's a misconceptions about him because of that. Uh, the the photo on the jet ski. Does it? Aside from him claiming to be in shape, does he feel like there's a false narrative about him out there? Well, I, I think based on our conversation, I think he feels like, um, yeah, people maybe don't understand the business side of it from the player's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, that that he's, if I remember him saying, everybody, most people are going to side with the team in this case, right? They're rooting for the Steelers. Uh, hey, the Steelers offered you a lot of money. Um, you should be here to collect that money and play for the Steelers and, and be grateful. Uh, he, he brought up, and I know it's a different circumstance, but he brought up Troy Polamalu and his contract uh, later. And now that was a different scenario. It was later in his career, but you know, he said the Steelers, even if you're a great player, they can really just cut you at any time. Or you know, I know Troy retired, but he, he used that um, as sort of a baseline that uh, uh, you know, when you don't have those guarantees, those teams can walk away from you whatever they want, and, and sometimes fans uh, and even players don't understand that. And that was sort of sort of his issue with, with the whole scenario. So he said, I, "I'm maybe I'm stubborn, but I was I was just willing to fight for that, and that was important to him." And uh, what's his thoughts, or what are his thoughts, I should say, on the potential that he gets transitioned next year, and this gets even more complicated, and he gets transitioned at a prorated rate of compensation? Yeah, yeah, that's um, the, the prorated compensation part is interesting, Mike, because I didn't, you know, that that would bring the, the salary down significantly and yeah. create a whole other situation. So he might uh, be really costing himself a lot of money here. Well, yeah, it's possible. Now, he said that the team told him that they were going to transition tag him during the negotiations, that is. So that was in the offseason. Um, so he's prepared for that, but he also likes the idea of negotiating with another team which the, to which the, two, the Steelers could create a sign-and-trade scenario. And in that case, everybody would win. But if the Steelers are, are able, whether through a grievance or just through CBA rules, to get a prorated amount, you know, that, that could give them some leverage. That could That could allow them to keep his rights for another year. I mean, yeah, you're right. That This could drag on in, in that case. Uh, but he, he had said that he wouldn't be surprised with the transition tech based on that, what they told him in the summer. Um, and, you know, he said, look, I never told anybody w- w- in the locker room or with the team when I was coming in as a result, but they knew I could at least exercise my leverage as an unsigned player not to come in. And the transition, just so I have this right, it, it's match or lose. There's no compensation. So I, I believe so. Yeah, you would lose. Uh, you that, lose that him, but you don't have pick. to pay him. Yeah, right. Like that—that's the thing too. Is that compensatory pick that if they lose him in outright free agency, they would get what would probably be a third-round pick because he'd, he'd sign a big deal somewhere. So that is part of the equation. Um, but you, you know, yeah, like they, they can work together with teams at least if a team offers Bell to, to create some sort of sign and trade. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN. He's the one that had the story and broke uh, the news. Le'Veon Bell set to report for the Steelers during the week seven to eight time frame somewhere thereabouts. Jeremy, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it this morning. Hey, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Okay, we'll see you. So there you go. That's the latest. That's where Lev's head's at. 
put as much stock in it as you want. It's fascinating, the whole thing. It, it is. could just drag on a while This yet. could be another ploy. This could be, I, I have no idea, but that's the latest, and that's where we stand with Le'Veon Bell. I know this much. Steelers will be a whole lot better with Le'Veon Bell. Yes. The defense? Mm. They don't. The, the way they'd get better with Le'Veon Bell Maybe is... Maybe he's linebacker size. Well, we'll talk with Cam Hayward about it coming up in 20 <laughs> minutes here on DVE. DVE Sports. Mike, pursue it with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. we got Cam Hayward coming up in about 12 minutes or so, and we'll ask him about the latest about Le'Veon Bell. But revealing news from Jeremy Fowler from ESPN yesterday, Lev planning on returning and playing for the Steelers this year. Yeah, that's, so uh, he that's says. the story today. Yeah, And it's a fascinating story, and it's going to continue to be one sports. This hour brought to you by Hovis Auto and Truck Supply. Maybe the Steelers get Le'Veon Bell back for the rematch against the Cleveland Browns. Maybe they're going to need him. He certainly would make them better. In the meantime, they're getting ready for the Atlanta Falcons and still trying to come to grips with all that went wrong in that 26-14 loss to the Ravens. On Sunday night, Atlanta, one of those uh, new age NFL teams that uh, we're seeing more and more of the last couple of years. Matt Ryan and that offense can just light it up, and uh, that Falcons defense seemingly can't stop anybody. And the Falcons did not stop the Cincinnati Bengals when it mattered uh, last Sunday. Atlanta losing thirty-seven to thirty-six in the closing seconds of regulation uh, it was not Matt Ryan's fault. Uh, he threw for 419 yards, 29 of 39, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He has just been on fire the last two weeks and has great no- against the Saints. Nothing to show for it. Uh, Atlanta lost to New Orleans in overtime and lost to the Bengals, uh, allowing a drive at uh, the end of the fourth quarter. 16 plays, 75 yards in four minutes and eight seconds. A 13-yard touchdown pass from Andy Dalton to A.J. Green. That was uh, with just seven seconds left in regulation. And uh, the Falcons defended it pretty simply throughout that drive. Cincinnati converted two fourth downs, a fourth and eight with a minute 21 to go, and a fourth and six with 22 seconds left. Both of those were completions to Tyler Boyd. And then the touchdown to A.J. Green, It, I, I found it remarkable that on those three key plays, the two fourth downs and the touchdown, Atlanta rushed four guys. The four down linemen never tried to pressure Dalton. No deception in terms of who was coming from where there was no corner blitz or anything. <laughs> uh, the four down linemen rushed, and they had five DBs and two linebackers on the field, and they tried to play man under cover too. They got picked apart. And on the touchdown to Green, he was not being double covered. And uh, the underneath guy, the safety, Oliver was covering the flat, as if that mattered. Instead of getting depth and taking away the throw to Green underneath, they just the Falcons invited what happened to them defensively, and the Bengals executed. So the Falcons are terrible defensively too. Yes, oh, good. awful. All right, great. That would probably be ten six, right? Yeah, <laughs> that would surprise. Well, me, I but... thought this was going to be sixty point game on Sunday night, and it was yeah. headed that way in the first half, and. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. Uh, ben Roethlisberger admittedly had a bad day at the office. If he has a good day, he's going to put up a lot of he numbers. He had a horrible second half. Yeah. Which is really the most important half when it's tied 14-14. Of all the yeah. halves. The, the second. second one. Yeah. That's where the money's That's made. That's the one. 
Steelers also had some uh, tough luck via the officiating crew in that Ravens game. Uh, our uh, zebra du jour, Gene Steratore, joining us recently, as he always does on Tuesdays here on the DVE Morning Show. Remember that crackback block penalty against James Conner yeah. on the completion of Antonio Brown? Well, that was no crackback block, at least not in the estimation of Gene Steratore. The block is legal. Crackback blocks occur within five yards, either side of the line of scrimmage, from players who are initially lined up outside of the tackle box and are blocking back toward the original position of the ball or the snap. Uh, this play is already well beyond five yards. The linebacker that's pursuing is is facing Connor. Uh, you know, he, he blocks him high, but it's it, there's nothing illegal about the play from everything I see. It's just a good football block. See, now, I never knew the five-yard rule thing. I thought it could be anywhere downfield if it was coming back toward the play. I mean, Heinz Ward, when he took off that guy's head from Cincinnati, who was it, a Bullock? Rivers, I think. Oh, yeah, Rivers, okay. Yeah, Keith Rivers. Keith Rivers broke his jaw. He... Right, that was way more than five yards away from the line think. of scrimmage, wasn't it? I don't think so. No. I don't remember it exactly, but I, don't. I thought it was. No, way I down. thought it was a screen, like yeah. out in the flat somewhere. Right. I thought it was well downfield, but okay. Now we should point out, Gene Steratore is no longer an official representative of the NFL. He was a longtime referee. He is now an analyst. He's an analyst on what for CBS, CBS, and for us, mm-hmm. um, and for DVE. Yeah. Uh, so this isn't an official admission from the NFL that they blew that call, but Gene said they blew it. I'm going to take his word for it. Yeah. Uh, he also thinks that uh, that uh, little bit of trickery, tight end Max Williams lined up next to the center on third and one, and then the Ravens get a big completion out of it on the way to a fourth-quarter field goal. Well, after further review, Max Williams was not, repeat, was not lined up as an eligible receiver. No, guys, he wasn't uh, by the technicality of the rule. I mean, and, and this is the thing about those kind of plays. Um, if he's in a tight end position or he's in a wide receiver, like a, I would like to say a normal position for a player like that, he's in a receiving spot, Mike, you know, and it, you don't want to split a hair if his, if his helmet is breaking the waistline of an interior lineman like that. You know, you wouldn't dive in there and get overly technical because of that. But with, with a play like this where, um, where deception or or something that unusual, so so he's put in a position to deceive a little, right? Which is legal but for him to do it, but but everything has to be really technically legal on a play like that. And it wasn't what he's talking about. Is if Williams is out on the wing where tight ends normally are, then you, the rule is the helmet of the player cannot break the plane of the waist of the center. And he was next to the center in this instance, and he was breaking that play. He was off the line. They were trying to get it right, but they just didn't do it 100% correctly. So that play shouldn't have counted. Who knows if they get the illegal formation penalty, the Steelers might have counteracted that by having 12 defenders on the field. (laughs) So maybe maybe that wasn't a big deal. But they did get a first down, the Ravens, and uh, marched down and got more points on that drive. The Steelers did get that uh, penalty you're referring to at some point in the game. That's why I referenced it. Cam Hayward coming up next. We'll ask him about the news that Lev Bell plans to return. What does that mean for the team? And how do you bounce back from yet another horrific defensive performance? I wouldn't say horrific. I would. I would say that one was on the offense more than the defense. They did bend and not break. That is true. But you kind of got the feeling that Baltimore pulled back a little bit and we're just eating up some clock there in the fourth. They left a lot of food on the table. Seemed like it. I'm still putting that one on the offense. I I agree with you. 
Here's what I want to put on the defense. Joe Flacco said he loves playing at Heinz Field. There you go. That's a that's a problem. I got well, a big problem with that. He's talking about the atmosphere. No, 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 he's not. He's talking about that being an easy game. All right, Cam Hayward, when play. we return next hour, we, uh, we're we going to have DJ Gallo, founder of Sports Pickle, and also, speaking of food, Rick Seaback at 945. I'm going to read off everything that has been brought to him at the hospital in the last three weeks since he's been rehabbing his leg. He's had every single possible entree from every restaurant in town. Donuts, pies, cakes. to his bed. Scramblers. The biggest food scam in Pittsburgh history. <laughs> Rick Seaback's fake injury. That's right. I said it. Fake. <laughs> Cam Hayward next. DVE. Randy Bauman in the DVE morning show. Joining us right now. Team captain for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The one and only Cam Hayward. Good morning, Cam. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're doing all right. Um, I'm wondering how you reacted to the news uh, yesterday. Jeremy Fowler had that he spoke with Le'Veon Bell and said he was going to come back week seven or eight. Uh, that's news to my ears. I didn't hear that. Um, you know, uh, if he does come back, he comes back. But uh, you know, we'll be waiting. He, uh, you, of- you had not heard that story? No, sorry, I, I haven't been on my phone lately. <laughs> I've tried to stay away from everything. So, so uh, yeah, Jeremy Fowler spoke with Lev yesterday, and uh, Le'Veon said it sucks having to sit out football. I want to play, I want to win games and the playoffs, but I've got to take this stand, knowing my worth and knowing I can tear a ligament or get surgery at any time. I knew I couldn't play 16 games with 400 or more touches, but he said he wants to come back and play for the Steelers in 2018. I've got to show people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, that's a risky take, but play, take playing the sport. Um, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. You know, uh, love to have him back. He's a hell of a player. Um, but uh, got to worry about the guys uh, we got now to whenever he does come back. Um, and that means uh, focusing on Atlanta this week. And, um, you know, when he does come back, he's got work to do. One of the things he told Jeremy Fowler, Cam, was that he thinks you guys can work it out, any hard feelings that may exist. Uh, you think that's a plausible theory that shouldn't – anything that's been said or written to this point or tweeted shouldn't be a deal-breaker? Uh, honestly, if, you, if you've been in our locker room um, <laughs> and you're one of those players, um, I think we can overcome a lot, you know, We've said worse stuff to each other, trust me. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if we can't get over that and, you know, call each other out and say we need to be a team and need to uh, be players, then we shouldn't be on the field and we shouldn't be on the same team. But um, Le'Veon's a player and he's part of this He's part of this team, whether you like it or not, and both sides got to be a part of that when he does come back. Um, I'm not saying... Uh, one side is at fault and the other isn't. I think both sides, you know, need to just grow up and play football. You know, we all gotta, we can, we we all can't be mad about spilled milk the whole time. Um, I'm learning that more as a parent now than ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we we all just want to be successful in this game. We all want to make as much money. And we all want to win Super Bowls. We all want to get as many Ws. Um, but you know. 
we got to be a team about it. And to do that, you know, everybody's got to buy in. Everybody's got to, you know, get back to playing football and win games. You said that uh, yesterday, buy in or don't get on the field. Can you expound on the buy in aspect that you show up or shut up? Um, you know, it's just an all in mentality when I say that. You know, I think um, being accountable is, you know, one of the biggest things you can do on our defense um, and on our team. Um, everybody has a job uh, that is very vital to our success. Um, and especially on defense because, you know, sometimes on the offense, you can have a, a playmaker just make a heck of a play and beat a block or, you know, do something, um, you know, spectacular. But on defense, you got to have 11 guys doing your job. Um, and, you know, that's something we, we've got to stress even more going into this week. Um, the margin for error is small, so small right now. Um, and we can't, you know, throw away the opportunity like this. And I just, Say we all got we got all got to knuckle up. You know, we all got to understand um, the importance of everybody's role, and that just means executing at a higher level. Cam, you talked Sunday night about peeling back layers and honest evaluation. Uh, I'm assuming that process is ongoing. Anything uh, revealing coming from it? You know, just some of the stuff we preach. You know, um, you know, in the run game. Um, you know, understanding that we got to be honest in who has, uh, in being our gaps and have gap integrity. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, a guy shooting a gap and not using his hands and not pressing the gap to make the gap smaller for, you know, um, our, our secondary coming, um, or, or the, you know, a guy filling up into the hole, but, you know, just wailing and not even making an attempt at the play. You know, you got to be honest in, in your gap integrity. And then in the passing game, you know, whether it's, you know, biting up on coverage or not winning your one-on-ones or someone wins their one-on-ones but needs an extra second because we didn't, you know, follow our, our coverage or keep our leverage inside. You know, those are all things that play hand-in-hand that everybody has to accomplish to be successful. Cam, uh, there seems to be uh, a recurring theme here with the Steelers in the first four weeks of starting out really slow. First quarters have been disastrous. Is there a specific discussion to target that going forward? Um, don't start slow. Uh, you know, I, you know, I know. Are you there? You hear me? Okay, yeah, you draw, you call drop for a second. Hopefully that doesn't happen. No, but uh But you have you guys had the discussion about about this trend? No, honestly no. Um because you gotta understand it's a sixty minute game. Um, you know, we don't care how it gets done. Obviously we spotted you know, you can't spot people points and you can't dig yourself these holes. Um but I I think, you know, even when we tied it back up at fourteen fourteen going to half, you gotta think we get, we still got a shot. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I, 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 I like certain aspects of that game because, you know, Baltimore came in twelve to twelve in the red zone. Um, we got a turnover in the red zone, um, and we kept them at field goals in the second half. But against this, that type of team, and you know, not getting that rhythm and not getting the ball back to our offense as much, 
you can't you can't be successful in that thing. So you got to take every game hand in hand and understand that it's a sixty minute game. You got to start fast, but you got to play sixty minutes all the way through, and you know you got to be successful from beginning to end. Do you have any suspicion as to who might be available for the Atlanta game? Morgan Burnett, Mike Hilton, Vince Williams, Nat uh, Burhey. Uh, y'all gonna have to call uh, John Norwood on that one. Um, <laughs> you know, all I can say is Cam Hayward's gonna play in that game, and um, but uh, you know, uh, we got to get some guys healthy. Um, you know, I know Vince is gonna be doing everything possible to get back to us. Uh, you know, I don't know the extent of his injury, but you know, I know he's you know gonna kick the tires and see what he can do. But uh, you know, we're just waiting on those guys. Um, and, you know, we understand they can help our cause, but if they're not there, other guys got to step up. You know, I look for guys like LJ Ford if, you know, uh, Vince can't play, or, you know, you look at uh, Matt. Matt, uh, wow, I'm blanking right now. Thomas? Yeah, yeah, Matt. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a guy like that to step up. You know, he had a good special teams game, but can he take that over and play good defensive game? You know, you look for, you know, Cam Sutton to have a good game or Terrell Edmonds to have a good game. Um, all these guys got to be a part of our, our uh, culture to have a good game. Hey, the Buckeyes started slow Saturday night. That worked out. <laughs> <laughs> it did work out, even though I fell asleep uh, before I got to see the end. No! How did you fall asleep during that game? It was fascinating. He's got I'm kids. I'm to get my rest. I got yeah. a game tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it was a night game. Hell, I was there. I still made it to the field. Well, you're lucky. You got to go. I was a, I was in a hotel room, and uh, I was falling asleep before bed check. I'm getting old. <laughs> no, that's just smart is what that is. Yeah. Uh, Cam, best of luck going forward against uh, Matty Ice and the Falcons this weekend. Appreciate your time this morning. Go get him this weekend, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, we'll see you. That's Cam Hayward of the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was news to him. Uh, how about that? He he'd been keeping his head out of the. Hadn't heard that at all. Well, you don't believe him? You don't think that no, was the case? I, I you know I think Mike Tomlin's going to say the same thing today. I haven't thought about it. I'm worried about the guys who are here. I get that they're focused on the task at hand and that they need to be, and that has to be front burner for him. But you tell me, these guys aren't thinking. Boy, we got an all pro running back out in the wind. I wonder when we're getting him back. One of our favorites. On Twitter, DJ Gallo from Sports Pickle coming up at 9.15. And Val, how's your news next? We'll talk about how soon you fart in front of your significant other. You mean boof? <laughs> yes, I guess. When do you get to boof with your significant other? Third date. That's it? Really? <laughs> Put a ring on the finger. Pittsburgh. Listen, Randy, you're talking to somebody who was sued by a prisoner in Dallas. Wait, hold on a second. What? You were sued? You got to tell me this yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, look, well, it was the Des Bryant catch in Green Bay, you know, and then, I don't know, it was a couple months later that somebody finds, who finds this information, I'll never know, but, you know, a, a prisoner filed a, a, you know, a legal lawsuit to ban me from certain <laughs> counties in Dallas or something like that. I think the document was like document number 88, you know. and the DVE. Show. I mean, quickly became one of our favorite guests here, Gene Steratore, with wow. our weekly Zebra Talk segment. He got sued by a prisoner in Texas Poor for the Des Bryant call. To Dallas or Detroit <laughs> ever again. Hilarious. Uh, DJ Gallo from Sports Pickle on the way for you. One of the funniest guys. One of the funniest follows on Twitter. And also, Seaback. We're going through the Seaback deliveries. 
the amount of food that guy has eaten while he's been sitting in the rehab facility. It's been... I want my sea back, sea back, sea back ribs. It's impressive, <laughs> but it's also... I, we're sending him a huge box of Lipitor. <laughs> what we're doing. It's a good and idea. Also, I will uh, I, I'll break the news. I've done an investigative report. Seaback faking. Fake injury. This Fake has injury. all been one big <laughs> ploy to have his own personal Grubhub service free of charge. <laughs> That's only here on the DVE News Network. Val's got your news now. Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast, and it is brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 68 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. Stormy Daniels' new book goes on sale today. In full disclosure, the porn star goes into detail. I don't know how much more detail we can get uh, about her alleged relationship with President Trump in 2006. Excerpts from the book describing certain parts of his anatomy had Toad from Mario Kart <laughs> trending on Twitter a few weeks ago, or yeah. Mario. Thanks uh, for ruining Mario Kart for me. She also describes her journey from an abusive childhood in Louisiana to adult films and beyond. I'm going to get the audiobook. Who reads the audiobook? I have no idea. It, I'd be great if he did, if Trump just read it, and just after every Ron declaration, Jeremy. he was just like, wrong, <laughs> <laughs> false... Never happened. Fake news. A new study says just one talk about the birds and the bees with your kid is not enough. A researcher from Brigham Young University found that kids of parents who continually talked to them about sex were more likely to engage in safer sex practices. She says it's because they feel safer sharing questions and concerns with mom and dad. Yeah. My, uh, I told you before, my mom gave me a, like four books, like some book series, mm-hmm. like some, it was probably like Catholic oriented yeah. or something. And she's like, these have all, you know, any questions you have are in here. And that was it. And that was the only discussion I ever had with her. And it wasn't even a discussion. She pawned it off on a bunch of books. Yeah. And your dad was like, go talk to Dwayne. Go talk to Dwayne on the carpet <laughs> truck. Vietnam veteran who's like, we're going to go watch girls eat ice cream cones at the Dairy Queen today, Hoss. <laughs> Serena Jeez. gave uh, Kennedy a book, and that prompted a very uncomfortable conversation between me and my daughter. Was it the joy of sex? It was. I don't know what, <laughs> what it was. Book? It was like just like you know, like my mom's do, having a baby. Where do babies come from? And like oh. you know, it was very like a tutorial basically. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "So I just found out how babies are made," and. I can't believe you did that to mom. <laughs> she said that to you? Yeah. She was like, how could you? I was like, I don't want to talk about this. Uh, your kids are so funny. I love it. I don't want to talk about this right now. She was like, so you guys just took all your clothes off in the same room? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're not talking about this, man. How could you? I have to go watch a couple YouTube videos on how to talk about this. It would seem to me like she'd be more mad at at, at, at Serena. Yeah, like how could you? Do that? How could you let Dad do how that? How could you let to Dad you? do that? Oh my! Well, if I didn't, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> they don't see it that way. They just, Mm-mm. you know, it's more comfortable if a stork shows up. That's what. Uh, I just found out what went down here, <laughs> and I can't believe it's you. Unacceptable. Ew. You are gross. You owe me an apology. I'm not holding hands with you ever again. (laughs) 
Uh, this also might be a touchy subject. Uh, according to a new survey, it takes men just six and a half months to feel comfortable farting in front of their partner. Uh, women, 1.3 years. <laughs> I was going to say 1.3 lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> I dated so, someone for a while who on our first date, we went to a sushi place and it did not hit her the right way. No, come Well, on. that was, she probably couldn't help it. What are we talking here? I mean. Was it like a something about Mary? Yeah. Like or not something about Mary, Polly. It, it was more like a lunk Polly, yeah. But it was in reverse. It was her, not me. Right. And it was like audible. Like you could hear what was going on. And I was just like. Turning up the stereo, you know, or the TV or whatever. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what do you call those weeping rainbows? Yeah. <laughs> Tiger yawns. <laughs> Tiger yawn. I was trying to think of that last week. I said mosquito yawn, but it's it's tiger yawn. What? Hello? Is everything okay? <laughs> it's like sounds like it's something out of a horror movie. Like <laughs> someone in the house. <laughs> Is it? Oh, Hello? okay. See, th- so that's that not one? the that's not the same thing. That's not just letting one rip. <laughs> right. That's not like lifting her leg and. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Is there somebody? And here's the other. Hold on. (laughs) At least you get a warning with those. That's coming from inside the the bathroom. That is so funny. That, I don't. I don't know, man. Like that. That's subjective. I wait a year. I've never been a big fart. No, I think you need to. Men I, too. Yeah, I think that's you have to have fair. some magic. You know, left. You know, some things left to the imagination. If you just start ripping farts and you're like, <laughs> if you're like leaving the door open and deucing and well, talking that's and stuff, gr- like, that's hey, just gross. You're like, I don't know. It's not your fraternity, brother. You got to kind of maintain a little bit of like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I totally agree. Keep the veneer up as long as possible. At least if it's an audible fart, you have a warning. My brother farted in the front of his wife deadlies. last week, and it was like a 15-second. She just had a baby, <laughs> and so they're in the hospital. I was visiting him. I think I just had a baby. He, he just started He started farting, and it did not stop, and the, uh, a nurse walked by the room, and he, <laughs> and he cut it off for the nurse. <laughs> She's like, huh? And then the nurse like looked in and kept walking by, and then he like released the last part of it. I thought my sister-in-law was going to have another baby. She was laughing so hard. <laughs> So like so there are those couples who, you know, for them it's a you know it's when a team you wa- sport. When you walk into one that you don't know is there, <laughs> no. that, that's that's that's, un- that's, that's wrong. No, you, you almost have to spit. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I don't want to chew that. Yeah, my brother-in-law cleared out an an outdoor market in New York City. Outdoor, outdoor. Oh. It was imp- it was impressive actually. I saw people scattering, and I was like, "What's happening over there?" And I saw him come around the corner, fanning his coat, <laughs> crop dusting, <laughs> fanning like, his. What coat. did you do? Oh my I had God. some sushi, 
Yeah, you may well. not use pesticides on these <laughs> veggies, but I just crop dusted them. Uh, there are some things that we're all probably willing to splurge on, even though you might still feel like it's overpriced. What do you think the number one thing is people think is overpriced? Milk. Mm, no. I don't know why I said that. Guacamole. <laughs> what? You ever get guac? It's expensive. Gas. That is on the list. Concert tickets is the number one thing. <laughs> okay. College tuition and health insurance tied for second. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not thinking right. He said milk, and I'm just like in the grocery store <laughs> like, uh After uh, that, it's movie, bread? theater, popcorn, gas, tickets for sporting events, uh-huh. car repairs, movie tickets, and cigarettes. Car insurance also on the list. Apple products. Oh, my God. They're Apple. so expensive. Yeah, they're ridiculous. How much ridiculous. are cigarettes now? I had like ten. I have no idea. I haven't smoked in years. When I stopped smoking, I think it was like five bucks a pack. Really? Yeah. Okay. See, I got out at like seven, seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're pushing. I don't know. Got to be up at around ten bucks in New York City. It's definitely over ten. It's like twelve. A lot of taxes on them. Um, it's seven years no smoking next month. Good for you. Wow. How do your lungs feel? You know, I mean. <laughs> Do you still have smoking dreams? Because I'm, I'm still not having, anymore. Oh man, not anymore. I did for about four years, five years. Wow. Oh man, I wake up feeling awful. Like, oh, I smoked last oh, night. Yeah. Why no. was I just smoking cigarettes? Anxiety. Yeah. No, my anxiety dreams have taken on other forms now. They're not in cigarette form anymore. This is the one that always gets me. It, I want to vomit every month. Cable bill. Oh yeah, dude, I'm right there bucks. with you. It Almost is insane 200 bucks. how At much least. I'm paying. I know. I, it, and I it needs just... to go away. I hate all the channels. Why am I paying it? I know. They sell you the bundle, and then you go, oh, okay, that's only 120 bucks. And then they go, and also we're going to rent you this equipment. Right. What? For, for every room that you have a television in. And taxes just buy and the equipment. And... and then you stop charging me for it. I'm going back to them. I'm going, I, I got to lower this. My bill's too much. Yeah. Because well, I have everything. I don't watch it. Life. I end up turning on Netflix half the time. But then you have to, if you <laughs> say you want to watch like one right. show, you have to get the whole movie package. Or yeah. I do that with want, HBO. I yeah. do that with Showtime. Sucks. It's like Showtime has a couple of those good shows that I like to watch, and I have to buy the whole channel for that. It's an extra 10 bucks a month for one show. They canceled the stand-up show. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm dying up here? Yeah. I died up here. It died. Yes. The top five splurge-worthy splurge items are quality toilet paper. Oh, look, don't don't laugh about that. <laughs> I'm going six-ply. Good toothpaste, expensive skincare products, good shoes, and good coffee. Give them good shoes, give them good coffee, and they'll take the super train. <laughs> Forecast today showers. I wipe with my good shoes. And thunderstorms. Uh, some could be severe temperatures in the upper 70s. It's 68 at DVE. Joining us right now on the phone, he is the uh, the founder, the editor-in-chief, if you will, the proprietor of Sports Pickle, one of the funniest follows on Twitter. It's our friend DJ Gallo. DJ, good morning. How are you, man? Great. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing good. You know, I mean, it's a little weird around here with the Steelers uh, kind of stinking yeah. it up right now. But we've you got know. an overpriced running back that's kind of sitting on the shelf down in Miami. Yeah, I mean, at least he, you know, it's raining there. At least he's, he's getting some good weather down 
down in Miami, so that's nice. Yeah. Well, you know, let's start. I want to in a better mood than everyone else. He hasn't lost a game yet. He hasn't tied a game yet. He's getting some sun. No. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there's not, not a lot of sun in the strip joints, though. I mean, he seems to be doing some day shifts <laughs> in the strip joints down there. That's probably what it is. He's probably just bored of the day shift squad at the strip joint. He's like, you know what? I better get back. I can't eat any more chicken tenders off this buffet. <laughs> the only dimpled asses I want to see is the offensive lineman on my team. <laughs> well, I want to start get back in the shower. I want, I want to start with Penn State. Uh, James Franklin, after losing to Ohio State this past weekend, went after a fan who was saying to him, "Bad call, coach." I still love you, but bad call. So then Co- Coach Franklin needs to be restrained. And my question to you is this. Had Coach Franklin broken free from the restraint, gone up into the stands, and beaten that kid to a pulp, how quickly would that kid have been ostracized and never allowed to come back to Penn State? Oh, you're, you're exactly right. I was wondering where you're going to go with that. But, yeah, I think it would be it would be 100%. It would it would everyone would double down on James Franklin. Like that kid was not showing any, any respect. He deserved what was coming for him. But I assume he's one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid, you know, educator in the state of Pennsylvania. And just the thought that he had the idea is like, I'm going to go beat that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I mean, he has to have a little bit thicker skin than that, but did you see the video follow up or those, all of those, those kids, I don't know if they're students or, or if they're alumni, but they were all immediately apologizing for the coach's behavior that had just occurred. <laughs> no, I deserve that. That was me. <laughs> I mean, the personification of an abusive relationship playing out in real time right yeah, there. That, that was everything about Penn State football all in, all in like a five-second little window. There. He's just emotional. It's fine. No, he's, he's very <laughs> emotional right now. It's, it's understandable. I, I would have been, been honored to slap the, get slapped across the face by James. <laughs> like, I wish he would have done it. I mean, if there, there are certain coaches who you would feel kind of honored to be smacked by. I mean, if Woody Hayes were to have punched you in the face, you probably would have oh, felt yeah, like... Yeah. That's uh, a, that's the story you tell the rest of your life. But James Franklin, like, I don't know if you've ever seen that picture of him that's on Twitter a lot. Where he's, like, painted like a leopard. No. Uh, he has, like, kid's face paint on. Oh, it's no. I've not seen so, that. Yeah, oh, you definitely need to look that up. Because if you get slapped in the face by a grown man with face paint on like a leopard, that's a little bit humiliating. <laughs> that's like going to, like, the furry festival in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh and just getting destroyed by someone like at a bar. You do not live that down, and then they like wag their tail all over you. <laughs> well, speaking of university indignation, uh, James Conner this weekend, when uh, he announced himself on the broadcast for Sunday Night Football, he didn't uh, announce his alma mater, Pitt. He skipped it and went to his high school, leading some to wonder if that was uh, some sort of slight at <laughs> at Pitt. I mean, can can we really blame him? At this point? <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean. I want to see a player just start mentioning like his elementary school or kindergarten or just be like the the woman who babysitted growing up. Like we gotta we don't need colleges anymore. We know what, what teams these guys went to. Just just dial it back even farther back in here. Yeah. I, I I made just a comment about it on Twitter and boy the Pitt fans absolutely lost their minds. He said Pitt last week. Okay. <laughs> I, I imagine. I imagine if Pitt fans sitting at home, they have like this chart of everyone. Well, he said it on the October 11th game, so he's <laughs> for two more weeks. <laughs> he's got this big spreadsheet. So making what, sure no one's disrespecting Pitt. Right. Yeah. No. As long as there's a proper ratio maintained throughout the season. 
They feel uh, they've not been disrespected. The Steelers. I think you should sh- maybe he'll shave the pit logo into his mullet. And then <laughs> that was like nobody properly explained that haircut to me. Somebody. No, it's just like yeah, he's going with a mullet, but like I get it. But like, what are the lines through the top? Like, I feel like every section must mean something. But I want to hear the whole story. Like, we need like a whole mini documentary on James Conner's hair. Yeah, because it looks like he was getting a haircut and then ran out of money. Like before they got <laughs> right. to the mullet. Right. You know, that's the problem. That he may now have to hold out for more money just to take his hair. <laughs> then, then we have no running backs until week eight. Well, now they say we are going to have a running back, and Lev Bell is going to make his way back, according to uh, Jeremy Fowler, whom Lev spoke with yesterday. S- sometime around the bye week, Lev's planning on uh, coming back. What, what do you think? How's that going to go in the locker room? First of all, you have to give it, you have to respect Le'Veon Bell. Like, I know everyone's down on him, but for the fact that he's coming back in the bye week, so he's showing up to collect his $850,000 check to not work for the week. Like, that is, <laughs> yes. that is awesome. Like, you have to respect that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even know. Here's the thing. Like, I, will the Steelers even be in playoff contention in, what, four or five weeks? I, I don't know. So if they're, like, two, five, and one at that point, are they playing Le'Veon Bell or are they playing James Conner? Like, it. At this point, I'm watching the Steelers not so much because I want to see good football because they're not really doing that. It's like a complete reality show. It really is. And that's about the time of the season in a TV show where you're like, hey, we need to introduce a new character. Like, here's Le'Veon Bell. All right, I'm (laughs) tuning in for a few more episodes of this. Uh, that's what I'm terrified of is that even though so he would come back if that's when he comes back and like you said he could report the Monday after the uh, the sixth game I guess and then sit out the week seven by week and play in week eight against the Browns so that would give him right. two weeks of practice and two paychecks without have, having had to play well, when he came back last year and he, he wasn't that good for the first couple of weeks because so he's a little bit rusty so you would think he's going to be more rusty there are pictures from South Beach where he looks like he's packed a few LBs on, like mm-hmm. more on the, you know, classic Jerome Bettis style running back, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't even know, like, if he's not even, like, up to speed till week 10, the Steelers could be, like, four games out of the playoffs at that point. So. Yeah, and then he'd be risking getting Earl Thomas right out of the NFL, exactly. or, you know, yeah. which is his biggest fear ever. Well, that was interesting, too. Like, he... Earl Thomas got hurt this week, obviously, and, and Le'Veon Bell's like, you know, I'm going to be the bad guy for all of us. And then, like, one day later, he's like, okay, I'm coming back soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was 24 hours of being the bad guy. So uh, you pointed this out on Twitter, and I hadn't really thought about it. Boy, it doesn't get any easier for the Steelers because uh, Cleveland is, like, they're kind of good. Yeah, that, well, that's a depressing thing. It's like they've improved a little bit, but the Steelers have come back to them, so it's like they're meeting in the middle. It's just like a battle of mediocrity. They used to look like, oh, woo, we at least have the Browns coming up. But uh, that's, that's the depressing thing. It's not like you can't even say that anymore. No, the I mean, this week, who the Steelers will have to beat like 65 to 60 to win. Right. At the Bengals, who are good. Then the Browns. Then at the Ravens, Panthers, Jaguars, Denver. Like, it's just, it's not great. It's no. It's not not exciting. No, going into December, like you pointed out, very conceivable. Three wins could be on the table for them. Yeah, I just I don't necessarily see where they're coming. Like, yeah, it's 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 bad. So again, I would encourage everyone: don't watch the Steelers for good football. You may not get it. Just watch them for the entertainment and reality purposes. Did you see that Sid mm-hmm. spoke out about Tom Wilson and the headshots yesterday? Oh yeah, I would. 
I mean, Crosby doesn't speak out about too many things. Like, he keeps his opinions close to his vest. But I would love, like, just two hours of Sidney Crosby talking about Tom Wilson and what a garbage player he is. <laughs> that, that's another thing I'd watch. If the Steelers are thinking, just flip over to, to Sidney Crosby uncensored on Tom Wilson. So they play here next week to open their season. but Or this is it week. this week? Is it Thursday. this Thursday? Yeah. Um, but there'll be no Tom Wilson, supposedly, wow. right? Will the suspension already have been uh, levied at that point, Val? Um, I think so. I mean, I'm it's hard. They're not doing the Max Domi style where you're suspended for the preseason, young man. You'll never do that again. Right. <laughs> yeah, quite a deterrent. Thank you. <laughs> but don't but you don't worry that. in the games that no one wants to play, and this is outstanding. Don't you worry that Tom Wilson's going to go after Sid just for having the balls to call him out? No, I mean, I think, I think, you know, like Tom Wilson's going to do this like 18 times, and then, it, then I'll be like, okay, now I get it. I, I shouldn't do this a 19th time. I'm not going to take another person. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's done. He's on the straight and narrow now. He'll never sure. try to hurt. Well, I did read the take that a lot of people had that, you know, Sunquist really shouldn't be skating with his head down there. <laughs> right. right. As though this is like 1974 NHL hockey. Like, yeah. I mean, he, de- he deserved to have his visor driven through his face with an elbow. I mean, that's just basic common sense. Yeah, and he was also dressed really sexily. I mean, he was just asking for it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> DJ Gallo from Sports Pickle, uh, one of the best follows on Twitter. And if you're a Steelers fan or a Penn State fan or a fan of sports in general, he's the he's definitely one to follow. Hey, man, it's always a pleasure. And uh, keep us informed of what you got going on going forward. Awesome. Will do. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. We'll see you. DJ see you, Gallo. DJ. Uh, DJ and, and PFT commenter for me are like the two funniest guys on Twitter. Oh yeah, their Tom takes Wilson are hilarious. Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. So we'll find out a day before. That dude has like multiple court suits. <laughs> Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a closet just for the court <laughs> suits. I mean, You're going to like how you look in your court suit. I guarantee it. Mike's got sports when we return. Plus, we're going to talk with Seaback about this ruse he's been playing on the entire city, faking <laughs> an injury so that people deliver Grubhub style the best food in Pittsburgh to his doorstep. I'm calling him out. Seaback out. <laughs> That's on the way. DV- DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on DVE. Sports are brought to you by CBS Television. The news of the day and the news of last night. Jeremy Fowler's report on ESPN.com that Le'Veon Bell expects to rejoin the Steelers. Uh, Sources tell ESPN that uh, Le'Veon Bell is expected to report during the week seven or eight time frame. That according to the ESPN.com story. The Steelers have a buy in week seven. They've got the Cleveland Browns at Heinz Field in week eight. That would be October the 28th, the second of two games with Cleveland. Bell telling Jeremy Fowler, among other things, that he is in prime physical condition. He could play tomorrow if he had to, and that when he gets here, he'll be fully committed to playing his best for the Steelers. Bell also doesn't think there will be any uh, lingering problems with teammates in the locker room. Bell acknowledging uh, to Fowler, quote, they probably think I backdoored them, but I think they understand the decision. We had uh, Cam Hayward on the DVE Morning Show today, as we always do on Tuesdays. And uh, Cam Hayward said that, uh, yeah, if and when Bell gets here, despite everything that has been written, everything that's been said, everything that's been tweeted and Instagrammed, there will be no hard feelings. Honestly, if, you, if you've been in our locker room um, <laughs> and you're one of those players, um, I think we can overcome a lot. You know, we've said worse stuff to each other, trust me. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if we can't get over that and 
you know, call each other out and say we need to be a team and need to uh, be players, then we shouldn't be on the field. We shouldn't be on the same team. But um, Le'Veon's a player, and he's part of this. He's part of this team, whether you like it or not. And both sides got to be a part of that when he does come back. Um, I'm not saying uh, one side is at fault and the other isn't. I think both sides, you know, need to just grow up and play football. You know, we all gotta. We can, we we all can't be mad about spilled milk the whole time. Um, I'm learning that more as a parent now than, than ever. <laughs> you know, uh, we we all just want to be successful in this game. We all want to make as much money. We all want to win Super Bowls. We all want to get as many W's. Um, but you know, we got to be a team about it. And to do that, you know, everybody's got to buy in. Everybody's got to you know get back to playing football and win games. Spilt milk doesn't do any good to cry about it. Mm-mm. No, it's still spilt. It's on the floor. You got to just clean it up and move on. Steelers getting ready to move on and play the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they've had some problems defensively so far this season, and they're getting ready to play Matt Ryan in one of the more prolific offenses in the league. Might have to do it without inside linebacker Vince Williams. He was among uh, the players injured in Sunday night's twenty-six fourteen loss to Baltimore. Uh, Cam Hayward talked about potential replacements for Williams if it comes to that, and he mentioned undrafted rookie Matthew Thomas. Kind of indirectly, but he still mentioned him. You know, I look for guys like LJ Ford if, you know, uh, Vince can't play. Or, you know, you look at uh, Matt. Matt, uh, wow, I'm blanking right now. Thomas? Yeah. Yeah, Matt. And, you know, I'm I'm looking – a guy like that to step up. You know, he had a good special teams game, but can he take that over and play good defensive game? You know, you look for, you know, Cam Sutton to have a good game or Terrell Edmonds to have a good game. Um, all these guys got to be a part of our, our uh, culture to have a good game. Matthew Thomas is an undrafted rookie from Florida State. 6'3", 232 pounds, had some problems, some red flag type stuff at Florida State. Now, it's not as if he would have been a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Without the red flags, he's, his game is raw. He's got some technical issues, but he's six foot three, two hundred and thirty-two pounds. Here's what Stephon Tua thought of Matthew Thomas after the preseason finale against Carolina. No, he has tremendous skills, and the kid is a freak. So uh, you know, I'm glad that he's on our team. What does he do, freakish? He can run fast, <laughs> and uh, especially that's what he could do. He can run fast, and that's all that matters. <laughs> freakish physically. Now. The question they have to ask themselves if they get to that point, do you go with a guy who knows the defense or a guy with freakish speed? And should you do that anyway at some point? Because it's not as if the defense is working now with the guys who allegedly know it. I mean, they're historically bad at the moment, so I'd like the guy with the speed. Might be Matthew Thomas time. Can't be any worse. They're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, it can. Yeah, they only give up 26 really? points. I mean, they could get yeah. up, give up 46. Easy. Against this team, they might anyway. They might be on their P's and Q's and give up 46. Right. They've given up the most passing touchdowns and the most total yards of any defense ever. Last three home game, first quarter score, 49 nothing. Steelers so, losing. They're bad. I think the last two is what you want to use as a frame of reference, but points taken. Put him in there. The only thing you got to ask yourself is, what is his name? 
Hey, 46. Matt. Uh, Whatever your name is. Uh, Matt. Get in there. Thomas. Cole Gardell. We need a Thomas. Get, get in, there. in there. Rick Seaback. Get, get in, in there. there. He'll join us when we come back. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with Rick, but I'm sure that I don't believe that he has an injury. <laughs> I believe he's been faking. And it's all been a big ruse in an uh, effort to have people deliver him the finest cuisine across the city. That's tremendous sway that Rick Seaback has. Yes, that's how he rolls. That he gets this. If you have He's not really been f- cut his commute time to zero. Mm-hmm. If you've not been following along on social media, Rick Seaback is rehabbing from an injury. It's taken uh, a few weeks. And every day, multiple times a day, people are showing up with food. And not just home-cooked stuff, There, although there is plenty of that. Some of the best chefs, cooks, bakers in the city bringing their wares by, and it's turned into its own TV show. Rick Seaback will uncover the lies when we come back <laughs> <laughs> on DVE. Sequel. It is Randy Bauman in the DVE Morning Show, and joining us right now is our, our dear friend Rick Seaback, who has been uh, rehabilitating an injury, convalescing from a uh, was it was that a ligament tear, a muscle tear, Rick? It was a uh, I, I ruptured my quadriceps tendon. Oh, that sounds oh. brutal, Rick. Does that make you questionable for Atlanta on Sunday? For sure. Um, <laughs> I'm off for the rest of the season. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So On the IR. Now, I had heard this had happened to you, and I was uh, I was very sad to hear the severity of it because initially I thought, oh, well, you know, this will be uh, something he's going to have to rehab. I didn't realize you are going to have to actually move into a rehab facility to do it because this is debilitating. You're, you're in a wheelchair, basically. I am in a wheelchair or sitting in the chair as I am right now. Um, I, I say nothing in our popular culture prepares us for a long, slow recovery. Everything is like, oh, I got my knee replaced, I'm up the next day, you know, that kind of thing. But I think what's happening here is there, your, your tendon normally connects to your kneecap over the years by growing into the bone. Mm. And now they're trying to encourage that to happen again. So for six weeks, I'm not allowed to put weight on my left leg, nor am I allowed to bend my knee. Oh, wow. All right. Then then when the brace comes off, I have to learn how to bend my knee. <laughs> now, uh, the whole city has been watching you eat for the last... How many weeks has it been now? <laughs> well, actually, the whole month of September, I was in uh, either the hospital or now I'm in a... Uh, what they... You know, the, the PC term is a skilled nursing facility. It's a nursing home. Right. But it's it's a nursing home inside McGee Hospital, which is really nice. It's, it's you know, it's, it's the best. I mean, I get great care. I get double peat physical therapy every day. I get occupational therapy every day. Um, so they're, you know, like trying to make me have muscles in my shoulders and upper body and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, you are they upset that you keep ordering out? <laughs> no, because I try, I, I take care of the therapist. First and foremost, I if I have if I have another <laughs> uh, if there's Millie's ice cream or Prantles, uh burnt almond tort or something, oh. I try to take it to the therapist and share it with them at their lunch hour, and uh, they they seem to be uh, you know relatively uh, uh, as nice as a physical therapist can be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're like torturers, you know. They they don't care how you feel or what hurts or 
you know, they just they, they keep pushing you and pushing you. <laughs> well, the, um, the thing I like about it is everybody brings you this food. Now you get like, I mean, you name it, any any place in town where somebody will say, oh, you got to try that. They've already brought it to you. Fiori's, Prantles, as you said, uh, you know, the smokehouse. Like, you know, it's it's a nonstop <laughs> daily smorgasbord. I would guess you're on like three to four deliveries per day of the most delicious food in town. Michigan and Trumbull, I know, brought you some food at one point. Well, uh, actually, Mike Nielsen brought me a hot dog. I didn't even know they had hot dogs at Michigan, Michigan and Trumbull. So, I mean, yeah, I, I tried to make a list thinking about talking to you about this. The list is too long. It's too long. I started to make one, and I thought, we're never going to get through it. That's how much food people have brought you. Uh, beer, sandwiches, on a daily basis, and you take a picture of everybody that comes in, and the vantage point of that picture is what makes it for me. Because it is from your sitting down, or I'm imagining you're in like a hospital bed, but it's probably from your chair, and all these people are hovering above you with bags of food. (laughs) You have to make a book out of this. Well, I said, you know, some people say, like, this is going to be a new documentary or something. But I say, it's really just, I think, the most fun I've had on social media, just trying to keep up with this. Because there are ones that I've never written up. I mean, I mean, some of the most impressive ones were early on, before I expected anything. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know people would bring me food. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever brought food to someone in a hospital. No. But, like, the, one of, the day I got my surgery, my cameraman, Frank brought me like a wash tub full of pasta with homemade veal <laughs> meatballs and, oh my and God. fresh red sauce and you know i'd already eaten dinner i said frank what am i going to do I, I ate like a meatball and I, and I passed the rest on to someone else who was in the room to take home but then like there's a little thai restaurant i love out in blonox called Maynam thai they showed up the second or third day with you know something that's not on the menu so you would have something special so little fresh rolls with a Nam Jim sauce. I mean, and then uh, a guy, um, he's the chef at Kaya downtown he, or in the Strip. He said, you know, we're Facebook friends we never met, but my fiance and I see that you're hurt and uh, we want to come bring you fried chicken. <laughs> oh, their so chicken it, is the best. It is. It was. I've been to fried chicken day at Kaya, but it's been a while. So I was happy to try it again. And, you know, Yosha Corner and Hazelwood came and it was like, I love Yosha Corner, and I love going there, and it's everything served family style, but better here, Alex Bodnar, the guy that cooks there, cooks everything, he sat at the table, and he made our plates, and, you know, it was just really wonderful. It's, so, I, I, I'm, I'm, now, I'm sending out a huge uh, uh, box of Lipitor for you, because I'm worried <laughs> that you are going to get sick in the hospital. Well, you know what, I know it, 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 I know it seems like I'm going to eat everything, but I don't. I mean, I share. You couldn't. You couldn't. I couldn't. Is absolutely right. I mean, like, if someone sends you a burnt almond torch, you can have one piece. Right. And, then, and the rest goes to the nurse's break station. I see <laughs> you had some delicious driftwood oven delivered. You know what? That was from driftwood oven. I, I mean, it was, I think, no, no question, the best sandwich that anyone The mortadella with. one? Is that what they brought you? But mortadella on sourdough. It's so good. It so good. Yeah. I, you know, and it was still warm. You know, Jason Clark brought that, so he's from you know the arcade comedy oh, yeah. stuff. And um, you know, it's it's been I say a dual parade the whole time I've been here. I have one parade of friends and foodies, and 
you know, people bringing me stuff. And then there's the medical parade that happens at the same time. And sometimes they cross. <laughs> <laughs> well, at first you just started posting what you were eating at the hospital. And I thought that was funny because you were making the hospital food look like it was bougie. Like it was like, you know, this like really nice presentation. And it's just, I just thought, boy, Rick Seaback could pour circus peanuts onto a styrofoam plate. And somehow I would believe that he was about to enjoy a delicacy. But well, that- actually, that's a whole like side thing is I have what in the corner here. Um, if I reach out my uh, right hand, I have Rick's pantry. And um, it's just the ways you can possibly just, if you just take a moment, you can make that hospital food look better and therefore taste better because how much we eat with our eyes. Mm-hmm. And my sister uh, was, my sister was an evacuee from <laughs> Hurricane Florence and she sent me a text and said, I know you're in the hospital, you don't want to hear this, but we're moving into your house while you're in the hospital. And she came one night and brought food from Piper's Pub on the South. Oh, Island. yeah, I love Piper's. She said, I have, I have to have shepherd's pie while I'm in town. And, <laughs> um, Did she get a scotch egg while she was down there, too? No, no, they didn't bring a scotch egg. Oh, I, I love those. But anyway, yeah. she brought three plates from my house so that we'd have a real plate rather than a styrofoam plate. And that has made such a difference just to have, you know, a plate, a real plate that looks like in the diner. So everything I usually put onto one of those plates, and you can even take like the the spinach salad that you get from the hospital, and with a little bit of help, you can, you know, embellish it. And Doug Oster, the columnist, he, you know, the gardener guy, mm-hmm. right? he used to write for the PG, now he writes for the Trib, yeah. and he's on KDK in the mornings or something, but, you know... He took me down. There's a garden here in the middle, in the middle of the hospital, where they have turtles and fish and all kinds of beautiful plants, and one whole row of herbs that they say they use in the cafeteria. Well, with Doug Oster with you, he's able to, you know, go through and get some parsley and sage and sorrel and um, uh, basil and a couple little tomatoes. And with those things, you're able to really dress things up and make it look better. Yeah. So that's. That's a whole other thing. You can order stuff from the hospital um, and make it really fun and delicious. Well, you, well, you know, and not that Rick would know because he's getting every delicacy known to man, but the food at McGee's great. It is great. You know, and that's, I think it's a surprise. And once you're here a week, they let you order off the cafeteria menu, which is a little bit different. As I understand it, they come from the same kitchen. But every now and then there's something on the cafeteria that's a little bit different. And uh, the... Uh, the women in PT and OT let me know, like, hey, today's a day to order from the cafeteria because, you know, they have <laughs> getting tips, turkey and stuffing today, you know. And that, Danielle, my physical therapist, she always says, that's the best. So, uh, I mean, you know. if you scroll through Rick Seaback's timeline, you'll be starving. There's he's like he's like baby Jesus. People are coming to the manger bringing yeah. gold, frankincense, <laughs> yes. and meat. Well, what's really, I mean, you know, what's really sad is that I haven't put on any weight. I know because they weigh me all the time. Like every two or three days, you have to be weighed, and <laughs> I'm still overweight. But I haven't gained anything while I was here. So even though it looks like I'm receiving mountains of food. Um, oh, you are. You know the one that made me jealous? Uh, I think it was yesterday or maybe two days ago when the ladies from Groceria Marani. Oh, you know what? That was the quickest visit of all time, and they were just hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that sandwich, like on a loaf of Italian bread with prosciutto, roasted peppers. Oh, my God. 
we often get them for lunch anyway at QED because it's so easy to run in and get one of their sandwiches. But, you know, I'm, I'm also a regular uh, prosciutto buyer there. So uh, Philomena, who was on the right in the picture, she said, you know, she, whenever I walk in, she goes, Rick, the domestic prosciutto is beautiful today. <laughs> it's kind of a running joke that we have. So uh, they brought me some domestic prosciutto as well as one of their great Italian sandwiches. So, I have launched uh, an investigation. I wanted to let you know to determine whether or not this is an actual injury <laughs> or you are pulling the biggest ruse in the history of well, Pittsburgh I mean, media. I know that it's. I know that it's uh, my luck. But I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not depressed. I just have a bum leg. Yeah. And so you know. Uh, nonetheless, days fly by. But I know part of it is the fact that people come and see me, and you know, bring me reading material, and folks from work bring me the New York Times, and uh, you know, there's no shortage of things to do. In fact, I think I should probably call Pittsburgh Magazine and see if I could write my column this month. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Why don't you do a food review of every restaurant in Pittsburgh? <laughs> well, actually, one of my highlights was, I think, uh, now it's the day before yesterday, um, Kayla Noguera Cook, who is going to open a new Brazilian restaurant in Highland Park this Sunday, came. I met her... Well, I'm going to say a couple of years ago, uh, Daniel Aguera is a Spanish chef in the North Hills who sometimes does meals at his house called Dinner with Daniel, and he brings in guest chefs, and she was the guest chef one time, and when I was in high school, I was a foreign exchange student of Brazil, so I love everything Brazilian, and she made a great dinner, and so we've stayed in touch, and, um, you know, she came and brought me things that I don't think I'd ever had before, a beef and yuca and, um, you know, it's really wonderful things that just taste great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and yesterday Kate Romaine brought me meatballs because I wasn't able to get the Sunday sauce. Oh, those are the best. Oh, just amazing. And, you know, and actually that's what the doctor wants me to eat, meatballs. You know, more protein, more protein. <laughs> yeah, those, I mean, the, the Kate Romaine, the, the E2 uh, meatballs, those are insanely good. Well, look, uh, Rick, get better uh, soon. And, uh, you know, just uh, careful on the food there, but keep documenting it because I think this is probably the mo most unique uh, hospital or rehabilitation uh, <laughs> I've tweeted. Uh, that has ever occurred anywhere. Has anybody ever had this level of food? I mean, the quality of food on a daily basis that you're seeing is remarkable. It's Food Network-esque. Well, I love it when the nurses come in and say, what what this room smell like? And I say, well, today it's basil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to jump, but get better soon. And uh, again, I hope you make a book out of this. Thank you, sir, very much. And thanks for using my young picture as your ID photo. I'll tell you what, shirtless Rick Seaback was my uh, was my Facebook uh, ID photo there for a while, the hey. profile picture, and people were going crazy. I'll tell you what, handsome <laughs> young my, guy. My South Carolina days. <laughs> you were a killer. All right, Rick, we, we got to go. We'll see you, buddy. Oh, bye. Take bye. care. Yeah, Rick Seaback. Somebody mean, bring Rick some ligaments today. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get well. We got to go. That's it. See ya. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm -hmm.